NFL Week 9 and Week 10 recaps, hockey talk, NASCAR playoffs, and more. Next on the NLN Sportscast. We like sports and we don't care who knows. From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, football, football. And thanks for joining us again for another episode. It's Bronson and Frank with the NLN Sportscast. We have a lot to cover tonight. Uh, as you heard in our intro, we got weeks 9 and 10 of the NFL to catch up on. You know, unfortunately, we uh, had to take a hiatus last week. Bronson and I couldn't get together, but uh, we're back. So we have two weeks to cover. Um, so two weeks worth of NFL scores. We'll hit on some of the bigger games and get you caught up on where the standings are right now and who's leading the divisions and as we get towards the second half now of the NFL season, um, Bronson's going to dive in uh, as our NASCAR Dalai Lama uh, into the the playoff chase and the final race and uh, let you know who won the, the NASCAR championship this year. And then we'll have a little bit of hockey talk where the Penguins have been scuffling. Uh, they are playing tonight actually against Montreal and things are looking good. So maybe this is going to be the turnaround game. Maybe Bronson and I brought them some luck here tonight. Um, and then we're going to have a final thought segment as well. So interested to hang out until that. It's always a, a highly debated topics or something Bronson and I are passionate about. So Bronson, I'll let you uh, slide on in here as haven't seen you for two weeks. Just let me know what's been going on, how you've been and uh, what you've been, what's been going on in the sports world for you. Yeah, Frankie, you hear me? Yep. I was hearing myself for a second there. <laughs> no, but um, just uh, took a week off last week. That was a, a mutual decision by Frank and I. So if any of you want to blame, actually blame me more than Frank. Uh, we both were, uh, it was a, it was a big Thursday night for sports. Frankie and I usually get together on Thursdays. Um, we might change that in the upcoming weeks here as we uh, uh, do the private messaging and uh, get schedules together. But um, mm-hmm. last Thursday, guys, we took a week off because uh, the Penguins played the Florida Panthers that night. And speaking of Panthers, Pit, Pan, the Pitt football Panthers uh, were playing uh, North Carolina. So those were both big Thursday night games. And Frank and I uh, were pretty locked into those as we figured that a lot of other people would be as well. And we figured that uh, recording and trying to watch both of those games was probably not going to generate a very productive show because we'd just be TV watching the entire time. Uh, it would have been a great reaction show, I bet you. But um, but no, and a good thing that that night, Frank, is both the Penguins and the, and the Panthers both won that, that night. So. But no, we decided to take a week off. Frank and I are, you know, being the Pittsburgh sport you know, sports nerds in general, but being a Pittsburgh sports maniacs we are, uh, we decided to take last week off uh, and 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 uh, indulge those games and come back at you this week with a little bit of more of a, a more beefier product. Um, probably gonna take another week off next week because Thanksgiving is next week. So this is kind of our Thanksgiving right. edition, Frank. Really, uh, since we won't see that we won't be gobble, talking about next week. <laughs> I wonder. I don't know any Thanksgiving music, and I didn't think to like maybe see if I can get some of the Jimmy Fallon uh, weekend update stuff from SNL to do the the, the Thanksgiving songs. But uh, but yeah, this is probably the. I guess we could probably dub this the Thanksgiving edition of the Next Level Nerd Sports Cast. But um, uh, no, Frank, just watch. You know, Pitt. Uh, Pitt football that last Thursday Penguins. We were coming off a great win by the Steelers on Monday night against the Bears. I don't know if it's a great win, but it was a win nonetheless. A um, little less uh, fortunate for your blocking goal of the Sunday falling. We'll get into that a little later on in the show. But um, Penn's on the night. They're doing really well good against Montreal. I'm wearing a. I'm actually wearing a red shirt. I think about wearing my Montreal red, I guess. But I'm, I'm actually cheering <laughs> for the Penguins. So, um, 
but no, no, Frank, uh, just Frank's got his block of gold on even if it is the Steelers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, no, just, uh, looking for, I was looking forward all week to getting on with you and, uh, you, you kind of teased the NASCAR leads. I've been sitting on two weeks of, uh, the ending of the NASCAR season, although there's been testing going on to Charlotte with the, uh, the next gen car. We'll get into that in just a bit. And actually Frank, um, a little teaser for the fans and for you, you probably kind of already know this when I bring it up, but, uh, Maybe fans who don't know, uh, NASCAR and hockey are going to tie into tonight's broadcast together, and there'll be one common uh, 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 sports franchise that will tie those two together. So uh, it's a good uh, the way we have it laid out. It's actually going to transition quite well into that. So stay tuned later in the show for that, Frank. So um, no, just uh, enjoy. Just was looking forward to chomping at the bit to get get on with you and uh, and, and talk some sports. And I'm sure you probably felt the same way. Yeah, Bronson. I uh, it's funny you mentioned about. Uh, nascar and i knew i i, I kind of cringed when i texted you last week and said can we take a week off and i'm glad you kind of agreed because i knew that nascar uh w- i knew that you were you know chomping at the bit to talk about it because i had i had heard that uh you know they had crowned a champion so i know it's been a two two weeks waiting for it so i can't wait for that segment later <laughs> on in the show to to just hear you break down the final race and uh what went down and then who was who was crowned champ i won't give it away i, I mean most of our listeners probably know but <laughs> for the sake of fun we'll just leave it as a teaser there but um yeah, I want to get into our first segment week nine and ten uh of the nfl we you know Normally, Bronson and I, when we get together weekly, we kind of can go through every game. And but uh, for for sake of time tonight, I'll just kind of highlight. I have the scores in front of me. I'll highlight some of the bigger results from weeks nine and ten. Um, so week nine was the uh, started Thursday, November fourth, and most of the games were Sunday, November seventh. Uh, we're recording on the eighteenth here today, so that was about a week and a half ago. Um, Bronson, one of the, the Bigger shocking uh, scores right out of the gate was the one o'clock start was the Browns going into Cincy and uh, the AFC North continues to kind of be topsy turvy this year where you kind of don't know who wants to take the reins. Uh, The Bengals look great early and then we saw them drop games to the Jets. Um, We see the Browns get beat by the Steelers at home, but then go look good in Cincy. Um, So just who it's a toss up this year so far with the uh the AFC North nobody wants to 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 claim it um we saw New England stay hot go into Carolina and win 24-6 uh Carolina with some quarterback issues uh which we'll talk about a little bit they they made a major signing that's already been an impact there um the Falcons went in and beat the Saints in New Orleans uh I know that that's a team without Jameis Winston now so uh, the Saints kind of start to are starting to reel. Probably the I didn't even see this one. One of the bigger shockers was Dallas at uh, six and one, losing at home to Denver, and that was a Denver team that I think had lost three out of four or something like that. So in the NFL, you never know what's going to happen any given Sunday. You know the whole bit. Um, Baltimore really should have lost to the Vikings that week. Um, if you can remember, they were down 14, three, 21, I think 21, 10, something like it was, it was all Vikings all day until late in the fourth when Baltimore finally tied it, um, went ahead and then cousins had to bring them back to tie it. Uh, and then Baltimore took it in overtime. So that was kind of a bummer for Steeler fans as you kind of like thought you might get a gift with the Bengals and Ravens losing in week nine, um, Packers chiefs. Turned out to be a dud. We didn't have 
uh, Aaron Rodgers due to the, uh, the COVID controversy. So Jordan Love played and kind of looked very pedestrian. Um, maybe he's not ready for the 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 prime time lights quite yet. And the Packers may want to think about extending uh, A-Rod. Uh, 13-7 final there. Mahomes and, and the Chiefs didn't light the world on fire either. That was the game of the week, and it turned out to be kind of a, a letdown. Uh, Cardinals stayed hot and won in San Francisco. And another kind of upset the Titans, who are looking like maybe the class of the AFC, um, go into L.A. on Sunday night football and beat the Rams. Uh, the Rams are my my Super Bowl pick, and uh, they, they started to level off a little bit. So that was week nine, Bronson, the, the, the ones that jumped out at me. I'll let you uh, jump in here and, yeah. and talk, talk about any of those or ones that I missed. Yeah. Um, obviously we were recording during that Jets Colts game, so we're not really going to put too much, uh, emphasis on highlighting of that game. Cause it's, that was a Thursday night game. Like you, Frank, I think any, any NFL fan was shocked about the Broncos going into Dallas and uncle Jerry's world and, uh, yeah. putting a shellacking on the Cowboys. I know if you watch Skip and Shannon, uh, Shannon definitely had a field day, uh, messing with Skip Bayless about that one. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a, what you would probably call a. A WTF game there for NFL fans. Uh, the uh, the Broncos going in there and putting the the, the hurting on the Cowboys. Um, Texans Dolphins. I you know you know this was a week couple weeks ago. I was going to tell you, Frank. You know was uh, Deshaun Watson going to be a Dolphin by this point? But but mm. no, it it wasn't much of an advertisement there. Um, the Saints, Frank. Um, I don't know if we brought it up last show because it's been a couple weeks of recording. But Trevor Simeon is the man in in New Orleans now. With Winston Hurt, who I didn't even know he was still in the league when he came in the game, and, and yeah, and I can't believe they're not they're not going with with Taysom Hill. What's that guy got to do to be the starter? Yeah, they, it just shows. Look, I guess the confidence they have in him as a pure every down passer. But yeah, we do forget that you know even though Winston was hurting that that Tampa Bay game, and he came out of the game with that that you know that season ending injury. You know, Trevor Simeon came in and looked the part, and you know he could say he beat Tom Brady in a game in a in a, in a regular season game there, but uh. Um, they uh, they did not they did not fare well against the Falcons. It was kind of towards that towards the end. But uh, I think the Falcons, you know, Matt Ryan, uh, you know, really not having anybody to throw to since Julio Jones with the Tennessee. Um, and obviously, I mean, Calvin Ridley's there. But um, every week we see more and more of the rise of of Kyle Pitts, uh, the guy from Florida State, the uh, the big uh, yeah. amazing athletic tight end. You know, we probably haven't seen a freak of nature at that position probably since Vernon Davis out of Maryland. Uh, so. You know, he week by week, I feel like the stock of Kyle Pitts continues to go up. Um, the Raiders kind of find the end there that they lose shockingly to the Giants, uh, but they they had to go east eastbound uh, to take that loss. Uh, Patriots beat the Panthers. You already talked about that, Frankie, and we'll cut. We'll touch on uh, what the Panthers did in response to this game as well. But the Patriots uh, move on. Mac Jones, you know. Not lighting the world on fire, but doing doing his part to win the game. Obviously, uh, with Josh McDaniels there as the offensive coordinator and Bill Belichick, they're definitely not giving uh, Mac Jones more than he can handle there for sure. Um, kind of glazed over Frank. The Jaguars defeated the Bills in a, in a, a stinkeroo of a game there. You kind of um, eloquently uh, um, recapped the Vikings and Ravens. Chargers and Eagles, Packers and Chiefs. I think you covered this well. Frank was bearing the big lead here, and I'm going to pick on him about this. Uh, <laughs> the Cardinals do defeat the 49ers at 31-17. Uh, Kyler Murray did not play in this game because he was hurt last game. 
And Frank knows where I'm going with this because they had to turn to a man that, that you know, I, I for the last year, uh, he, he had a win in the NFL last year, went to Seattle as a member of this team and beat the Seahawks. Uh, he was a Giants backup last year. This guy just seems to find a team every year. He is he your boy. In. And I, I thought of you when I saw him doing well. <laughs> I, I, I will say, I was like, that's Bronson's boy. Colt McCoy, <laughs> the man, one of the best backups in football. He comes in, he finds a way to get the Cardinals past the 49ers. Not just him, obviously, but um, boy, another uh, Chase said, I, Sorry to interrupt, but another. If, if uh, talk about good backups, if uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers had a Colt McCoy type backup, maybe we uh, would have some better results. <laughs> <laughs> 10-4 on that for sure. Um, but, you know, the, obviously the, the Cardinals are there. They, they acquired Zach Ertz a couple weeks ago. And uh, Edmonds has not been playing as well because of being injured. But, uh, you know, Frank James Conner seems to be found his, his footing there in Arizona. We haven't really mentioned him too much, you know, maybe yeah. in passing and highlights. But that's cool to see James Conner finally find someone. Like we've talked about in the last couple of weeks. It, it was a beneficial separation. I guess we both needed that. And you're happy to see James doing well in he Arizona. Had a great game. Yeah, I think that Niner game he had, like, two touchdowns, one rushing, one catching, like really good fantasy game. Yeah. And then the Titans beat the Rams. I mean, I mean, they, they go to SoFi stadium and then they beat the Rams and uh, you know, that, that blowout to Arizona, you know, now it doesn't look so bad because we saw how great Arizona became. And obviously the Titans still have that embarrassing loss to the jets, but they've, they've, they've bounced back and you have to give credit to that Titans football team um, and, and, uh, and head coach and former Steeler, Mike Vrabel. So no, Frank, I um, these are the games I did kind of get a chance to watch here. So, um, but yeah, that Cardinals Niners game I was really heavily uh, involved in, and um, the Broncos Cowboys one. Obviously, you, you mentioned the Browns and Bengals. You know, the Browns definitely not happy about their their fortunes at uh at uh First Energy Stadium against the Steelers. So they come back and they go to Cincinnati across the state and take it out on the the Bengals. Um, in the AFC North, it seems that can't be predicted at all. Um, so no, Frank, um, that's doing that. And and I know we're going to, we're, we're saving the best for last year because there was a game Monday night that uh, you and I both watched. Yeah. And I don't know if, uh, I guess maybe we should do uh, all the NFL scores and maybe then do both Steeler games at the end. Yeah, I mean, so. we're here. I, I think we okay. should cover. I mean, it's been two weeks old at this point. I, I think yeah. it's pretty, I mean, I, I can get into it if you want, actually, um, the Steelers uh, played the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. Um, trying to think, um, it was it was our first look at uh, rookie uh, Justin Fields, obviously from Ohio mm-hmm. State um, via Georgia. But um, it was uh, a kind of back and forth game, Frank. You know, um, kind of a uh, lot of lot of controversy all around. I know, um, you know, did the Steelers deserve the win? Did, you know, all this should have, could have deserved the win here and there. I know um, the Steelers were bailed out on some plays. Um, you and I were texting. I, I thought, yeah, I, we were texting during this game. And yeah, uh, I, I, I was telling you, I just had to say, like, how, you know, even as a Steeler fan, I could admit that the rest were pretty, pretty heavily favoring the Steelers. definitely got night. the home cooking for sure. And poor Cassius Marsh, the former Steeler, I heard them say his name. And I said, did did the commentator make a mistake? Because Marsh is a stealer. Um, and then I know I had to Google it, and I realized we released him, and Chicago picked him up. So no, but, no, he, he and uh, we'll get to Cassius. Yeah, 
yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to Cassius here in a minute, actually. But uh, just want to bring some uh, some some stat lines up here, Frank. Justin Fields was seventeen to twenty nine, two hundred ninety one yards and a touchdown and a pick. Obviously, yeah. had some impact on the ground as well. Ben Roethlisberger continuing his uh, much better play that in the recent weeks. He goes twenty one to thirty, two hundred five yards, two touchdowns. Rushing nothing to really write home about, although Najee Harris did get a touchdown in sixty two yards. Uh, rushing uh, David Montgomery for the Bears, 13 carries, 63 yards. Uh, receiving six catches, 87 yards for for Chris. Was it command? I I don't know a whole lot about the Bears, but Deontay Johnson was the Steelers' leading receiver as well. Um, Pat Fryermuth, Frank, with with a big game as well. He had two touchdown catches uh, in this game, and he's uh, not to try to blow him up too early here because we know how the ending is going to come here when we recap the, the game against Detroit, but. A big game here. Uh, he found some key catches there for sure. And uh, no, this is a game that we knew was going to come come down to the wire. Frank and I did predict that they would beat the Bears on Monday Night Football. And um, I think I mentioned last episode, Frank, or you you brought it up before we went off the air, that the last time the Bears had, had uh, lost to the Steelers was uh, at this same venue uh, on the uh, 05, uh, 06 Steelers run to the Super Bowl, the infamous Jerome Bettis running over Brian Urlacher game. Uh, so it was cool for the Steelers to finally get a win, but not to do without current controversy, Frank. Um, the Bears had a chance there when when Ben was coming and the Steelers were coming down the field. They had a chance a couple times to get off the, the field on third down. Uh, very very boneheaded, stupid uh, neutral zone infraction penalties where they were just lining up on the, on the ball. Um, you know. NFL team shouldn't be doing that, mm-hmm. but yeah. Then the Bears thought they had a chance to close the drive out. Uh, ben Roethlisberger sacked and and Curtis, or, I think, what's it, Curtis Marsh, Cassius Marsh, um, you know, walking to the Steelers sideline, uh, you know, maybe you know, making sure Tomlin and the boys, you know, see his jersey, see he found mm-hmm. a, a new home and a chance, you know, show him what he's doing against the uh, the black and the gold. But uh, the referees uh, throw the controversial flag. Get them for taunting, you know, 15-yard penalty, new set of downs. The Steelers score off of that. And, and, you know, when you thought maybe the things were looking bright, uh, dim for the black and gold, that penalty turns everything around. And the Steelers um, get out in front there. Um, they kick uh, the ball. Bo- or that was the, the Boswell kick. Yeah. And then um, uh, they get the field goal. Then the Bears have to come down to match, Frank. And then they had uh, – they had to um, they had to get down the field goal range, and uh, they got Cairo Santos lined up for the kick, and it was uh, it was a little close for comfort. You thought you thought it hit the post, but then mm-hmm. when you saw the replay, it was like ten yards short or whatever. Everybody held their breath. I was, <laughs> yeah. but you never because you never know. Like you know, I, th- I think the ju- the the Justin Tucker kick against Detroit. No, 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 they don't take anything for granted now. Anyone can make a kick possibly. And it looked like it hit the post, but it did not. And the Steelers won, got away out of out of Pittsburgh with a win there in, in Chicago. And uh, with it being a couple of weeks ago, Frank, it's not as fresh in my mind now anymore. I'm sure last week I could have really killed this uh, recap, but uh, no, I, I thought it was a gritty win for the Steelers. Did they deserve it? That's up for everyone to 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 debate. And obviously, the penalties uh, definitely benefited Pittsburgh. It may have taken a win away from Chicago, but um. I think, you know, the Steelers need to get wins right now to stay with the AFC North. And you'll take them any way you get them if you're a Steeler fan, and they'll take this. And and uh, definitely a, a very uh, slugfest down to the wire, Frank. Yeah, nice breakdown, Bronson. And this one is kind of getting a little fuzzy in our memory. But uh, I can remember, and I'm looking kind of at the box score now, um, 
Steelers looking great early, getting up 14 nothing. I think everybody expected a kind of a big win against the Bears at home. Um, but uh, and, and the Steelers had a, a 20 to six lead at the start of the fourth. Um, and I, I believe they threw up the stat that night where there's something like 275 and oh, when having fourth quarter leads at home um, over the last so many years. And with a 14 point fourth quarter lead and they just about squandered it. They, you know, Justin Field finally started figuring it out in the fourth quarter. Um, Bears led some drives. Um, they started just really gutting the Steelers. Maybe the defense was getting tired. Um, and they, they, they got themselves a lead with a minute 46 left. Um, and you know, at, at that point I said, th- I said, we're done, but you know, you know, big Ben put on the helmet. You kind of, it, 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 the old cowboy has a little bit left in him, and he, uh, he said, I'm going to, you know, all, we just got to leave yeah. us down for needing only a field goal. And, you know, I immediately, I think we might've even texted bears left us too much time. Um, you know, they, they left a minute 46 with timeouts and. A uh, couple big plays and penalties, and and the Steelers were able to get in the Boswell's range and and get the uh, you know the go ahead field goal and left the Bears 26 seconds to get like you mentioned down there and close to Cairo Santos's range where we all had a you know a, a heart palpitation as it was in the air and looked you know it was online and you can never tell depth wise if it's short or not. And, it, you know, it was it, I was like, are you kidding me? This is going to be good. And the second longest field goal ever in history. But luckily it was short and the Steelers won and everybody a collective sigh of relief as they got out of there with a win and got to five and three um, where and, and boy, they would have been in first place if the Vikings did hold on to beat the Ravens that day. But or the day before. But the Steelers position themselves right there towards the top end of the AFC North just weeks after being in the basement and where all the fans and media were talking about a, a tank year and a, a Big Ben's done and five and three uh, winning winners of four straight kind of getting back on track. So we always say you can't, you know, it's a win is a win is a win and you can't draw pictures. And, you know, I would have liked to see them finish stronger and kind of hold on to the lead, but. They found a way in the end, and it was good to see Big Ben have to lead a fourth quarter comeback. And you kind of want to get, you know, practice at those, and when you, you know, might need to do it again this year. So to get the two-minute offense going and the to come down and get a game-winning drive, get Boswell a pressure kick, because uh, that might, you know, happen again later this year. So kind of get get some experience there. So, uh, you know. Overall, a, a good win, a, a win that you have to, you, you were supposed to do it and you took care of business. So um, that, that that really led us uh, into into week 10 on a, on a high note. No, 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 it was a good way to end the week that way. And then, and then, uh, <laughs> and then we go into the, uh, and I'll, yeah, I'll do, um, go into the next week of games there uh, for the uh, NFL. So we're going to go back to the NFL uh, highlights in general, guys, before we, we uh, recap the Steelers' fates and fate in Week 10. In, this, in the Week 10, uh, started uh, pretty good for a Steeler fan. If you were uh, watching that Baltimore-Miami uh, game, Frank, uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens go down to uh, Hard Rock Stadium take on the Miami Dolphins. Um, Lamar Jackson not having the game he would like to have had. There was talks of him for MVP. And uh, they go down and... Uh, they uh, 
get, have a little bit of a clunker down there. The Miami Dolphins get the 22-10 uh, Duke, Duker down there in, uh, in Miami. Uh, that play that didn't count, Frank, I think was the highlight of the week uh, for which lineman from the, the Dolphins. Yeah. The fumble, the, the he, he tried to tumble over the goal line, and it didn't even count. But it was yeah. a great footage, and it made for great memes and and gifs and and videos and whatnot. And uh, that would have been the game if we had recorded last week that we would have been, been watching. So Frank and I would have been, as Mike Lang would say, the old Hall of Fame hockey now. So we'd have been smiling like the old butcher's dog. So you got a good start to the week, Frank. Steelers have a chance to take care of business because you know Ravens. You know they they, they hiccup one down in Miami. And then we go into the Sunday slew of games, Frank. The Dallas Cowboys were uh, were none too uh, happy about their result uh, when they hosted the Broncos the week prior. So when the Falcons come into town, uh, the Cowboys decided that they had enough, and uh, they thromped the Falcons 43-3. to And it wasn't like that game last year, Frank, where I remember when the, the Falcons creeped back in with that onside kick that was the uh, mm-hmm. the bowling ball and the uh, the watermelon they were kicking it was bubbling and bubbling and bubbling around and and uh, Dallas not, Dallas for some reason not getting like trying to get it. <laughs> yeah, that did not happen this time around. Yeah. And uh, the Cowboys uh, quickly thrashed the Falcons this this past week. Um, Titans and Saints, Frank, uh, and the Saints go to Nissan Stadium to take on the, the Tennessee Titans. This one came down to the wire. Although the Titans did get out early, very quickly. The Saints uh, were able to you know, get some moxie there, and Trevor Simeon was able to orchestrate some drives to try to get back in the ball game. In the end, it was just not enough. The Titans were able to pull that win. Um, they lose Derrick Henry, Frank. Uh, they might have lost him like the week before. It might have been too. So, yeah, because they lost Derrick Henry the week before. They had to bring back an old familiar face in Adrian Peterson. Uh, so the, the the future Hall of Famer's career is not quite over yet. So he gets a contract offer from the Titans. And he's going to slide in there. He's their backup right now. I think Foreman's the kid that's that's carrying the load there in Tennessee. Wearing number eight, where a lot of fans are uh, changing Mariota jerseys into Peterson jerseys. I don't know if you saw that online. <laughs> yeah, did, Pretty I funny with, with duct tape and all and what have oh, you. Oh, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> AP still lives, man. I, as yeah. long as he can keep playing, I'm, I'm down. I'm down, I'm down to the, watch it. He's padding the stats a little little bit you know that 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 career total absolutely (laughs) um the jaguars fresh off their upset to buffalo the week before would uh go to lucas oil stadium and uh it was actually a lot closer game than people thought frank Mm. uh the carson wentz dodgers are still out there but uh the colts do eke out the win in 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 indianapolis they get that 23 17 win against jacksonville uh the brannies frank you know they 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 stopped the bungles last week but they go they go to uh foxborough and gillette stadium and uh Seat received the proverbial thrashing by the, the New England Patriots. Um, obviously, Mac Jones and the boys uh, gave them quite quite the beating. And just when you thought Belichick was going to take the foot off the accelerator, uh, I don't know if maybe it was that that the bad taste in his mouth, the high left Cleveland or whatnot. But uh, yeah, they definitely they definitely didn't seem to be. Uh, and I know Brian Hoyer actually got in the game eventually, but uh, I think Belichick would. You know, he he did this to the Jets a couple of weeks ago, Frank. He got a little criticism because. He could have called the dogs off and people were scoring. But I, Belichick and I guess some of the people on the staff were kind of saying, like, this is a practice for their young st- their young players. Oh, to yeah. kind of it's professional games. sports. There's there's no such thing yeah. as running up to score. And you remember the 07 Patriots that went 16-0. and 0. They yeah. never took the foot off the gas. So. No. So, you know, everyone kind of think maybe they're kind of showing off. But Belichick said, you know, it's a, it's a young, you know, it's it's veterans and it's young core guys and they need to get the refs if they want to be a playoff team. So yeah. that's they kept them in there for quite a while. But like I said Hoyer eventually did get in the game. Brian Hoyer, Frank, another guy I, I find is still in the NFL, too. So uh, hats yeah. off to these guys for still having jobs. 
And Cleveland took out Mayfield late, a uh, little bit yeah. banged up. Nothing serious. They just figured they were down Case so Keenan big. get some time. You're right. Yeah. Um, the Buffalo Bills, um, very obviously embarrassed by that loss to Jacksonville. Uh, take it out of the New York Jets the next week, 45-7. to seven. The Mike White story that was brewing the last couple weeks for the Jets, uh, that fairy tale, the, the, the carriage <laughs> turned into a pumpkin, and uh, yeah. uh, the big kid showed up for the whooping. Um, that would lead into this week, Frank, where it looks like Joe Flacco was going to start for the Jets. They brought him back from uh, trade to Philadelphia. Mike White wears number five, which is Joe Flacco's number, so Flacco's wearing 19. So no, they're not Joe Flacco's signature five there. We're going to skip over the Steelers. We'll cover that at the end. Uh, the, the WFT, Frankie, the Washington football team, hosting the defending Super Bowl champions, Upset Tampa the Bay Buccaneers. This was the game that I actually was uh, dialed in. I was I had the red zone on, but I was dialed in on this game. And I'll tell you what, I feel like my friend Jake is from Alabama. He's a big uh, Washington football fan, and I text him all the time. And I just like I told him it's so much fun to watch this team when when they're dialed in. And uh, you know, Tom Brady didn't ha- didn't have necessarily a great game. Two touchdowns, two picks. And uh, the the old the WFT Frankie Taylor Heineke slinging and flinging, brother. Uh, he gets the Duker uh, for the for the Washington uh, football team, the 29-19 win against the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, whatever you want to call him. Uh, but you know how Tom is, is competitive and uh, definitely, uh, you know, licking his wounds after that game and uh, definitely uh, uh, outcome I don't think Vegas or anyone that was watching football this year uh, saw it happen. But you got to give the credit to the Washington football team, Frank. Uh, I call that a very gritty, gutty win. And Taylor Heineke, Everyone slept on it. He's had some bad games. Don't get me wrong. He's had quite a few bad games this year. But that game against Atlanta a few weeks ago and this game, I mean, when he locks in, I mean, there's no, there's no, not many more fun players to watch in football than Taylor Heineke. Panthers and Cardinals. Um, we, this is probably a good time to, inter- to bring this story up, Frank. I'm back. He's back. I'm back. Uh, that so, so uh, PJ Walker ended up starting the game. Uh, Sam Darnold is going to be out for quite a few weeks here with this uh, this jaw injury, and so Carolina, to solve its quarterback issues, goes back to the future, back to the past. They bring Superman back, the former NFL MVP, the former NFC champion. Cam Newton is back with the Carolina Panthers. He he so eloquently said that after his touchdown, he was they put him in on some goal line packages and threw a touchdown, ran a touchdown, might a little bit more than that too, Frankie, but. Cam Newton is back with the Carolina Panthers, and he made a huge impact early as the Cardinals, who uh, another game without uh, Kyler Murray, uh, going to my boy Colt McCoy, Frank. Colt Colt was not too hot this game, Um, but I think they should probably get, they might get Kyler back this upcoming week. I guess it's kind of questionable, but the Panthers go down to to, uh, University of Phoenix Stadium, or whatever it's even called now, if it's even called that anymore. Uh, and they and they defeat the Cardinals, the a top team. So Cam Newton already paying dividends for the Carolina Panthers. And the LA Chargers at SoFi Stadium hosted the, the Vikings, who lost a close one of the Ravens the week before. Uh, but this was the game that the that Kirk Cousins and the Bulls. <laughs> Sorry. Frankie no no. Frankie with the audio, courtesy of NFL films or the, the Panthers or whatever, or broadcast, but he's back for sure. Cam Newton is back. Uh, so the Vikings uh, bounce it back off that loss against Baltimore, defeat the San Diego Chargers. I said San Diego, Frank. L.A. Chargers at SoFi <laughs> Stadium, 27-20. Um, uh, the Eagles, 
with a decent game. The the Broncos come back down to earth as they lose uh, as they host the Eagles and lost thirty to thirteen. The Packers and Seahawks. Uh, Aaron Rodgers did come back from this game, Frank, and we didn't really address the Aaron Rodgers situation. Uh, it's kind of I kind of already brought it up the last time we recorded, uh, but uh, they shut down. Uh, they shut down the Seahawks and Russ played, I do believe. Right. Russ yeah, he he ahead. made his return as well. Yeah. So the, the 17 zip win for the pack uh, in, in Lambeau against the, the, the Seahawks. And that was a shocker, too, to have the Seahawks not even score a single point. Yeah. And Frank, the Chiefs, continue that the momentum they've been riding. Uh, 41-14 win. They go to Vegas and clobber the Las Vegas Raiders. So the Raiders, who had a good streak going there, have lost two in a row here. And, you, you know, you hope you hope that, you know, if you're a Raider fan, that, this, that they can kind of steer the, the plane upward here a little bit. Monday night, Frank, it was the 49ers and the Rams. And the Rams again, Frank, drop another one. They go down. They go to uh, uh, Levi Stadium and and lose thirty-one to ten to the, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, so, so, and this was the debut of Odell Beckham. That was one thing we missed too when we didn't record Odell Beckham signing yeah. with the the LA Rams. And obviously they have you know they <laughs> they have Von Miller and now they got Odell Beckham Jr. Frank, the Rams just pushing the chips all in. They're going for the gusto this year. But not been a not been a good last couple of weeks, Frankie. Um, you know they lose to uh, they lose to the Niners and then they lost last the week before that uh, two to the Titans. So the Rams have to kind of steer it quick. Uh, you know that word you like to use, get right. Now they they mm-hmm. they need to get get it back, get the ship going right uh, soon enough. And um, recap this game. <laughs> he knows where I'm going with this. So your Pittsburgh Steelers, if you're a Pittsburgh fan, uh, host the 0-8 Lions. And so going into this game, and I'm kind of taking from where my perspective was, Frankie, before they they, they played the game, it was, you know, I, I forecasted it a couple weeks ago. You know it, and the fans who have listened every week knew this. I did, pre- I did say a few weeks ago, are the Lions going to get their first win against Pittsburgh? <laughs> I I I saw it. It was like a, a train wreck about to happen, and I saw it miles away. You could forecast it. Uh, so you know, it was will the Steelers execute? You know, you figure with Big Ben and and, and Najee Harris playing a lot better football the last couple weeks. You know, his development as a rookie that they would that they would find a way to beat the the Lions and basically handily beat the Lions. But Frank, when Saturday night, uh, I'll get into my, uh, I'll cover this more in my uh, final thoughts. But uh, I was chilling with one of the uh, the celebrities of Pittsburgh sports, uh, Mr. Mark Madden, the man, the myth, the legend, the super genius, the tested IQ of 166. Him and I were enjoying a little brewski, talking with a group of guys there at the uh, SOI know with City. Little shout out to them and thank them. But then Mark was talking, and then literally someone yelled across the bar to Mark. Ben's big Ben's in COVID protocol. And Ben didn't believe him for the first like five minutes till Madden looked up. He goes, Oh wow. And then he laughed and said, you know, for his radio show, this is great now. Cause now a game that he thought was for sure was going to be kind of left in limbo because now Mason Rudolph now Saturday night has to get ready to play this game. <clears throat> and so the first drive, Frank actually didn't start out too bad for Mason Rudolph. And I should have known like as a fantasy player, I needed a wide receiver because my team's been just depleted with injuries. I should have picked up James Washington because, you know, the teammate from Oklahoma State and the Steelers. Mm -hmm. I should have known that would have been the the play to pick up. And so I don't pick him up. But uh, the first drive, you know, we see James Washington. You know, we we thought maybe he was even on the team. He hasn't really seen the field too much. Touchdown there uh, and gets the Steelers out in front. But uh, 
Um, Mason Rudolph uh, was 30. I mean, I kind of like Mason Rudolph, Frank, throwing 50 times. He was 30 for 50, 242 yards, a touchdown, and a, a horrible pick. Um, but some some open throws he should have made. Um, I don't think they. Uh, I don't think the result was because of his horrible play. Certain things that I'm going to bring up here in just a few minutes here. But Najee Harris, Frank, 26 carries, 105 yards. Uh, so good. Uh, Najee Harris keeping the momentum flowing here. You know, in his effort, maybe try to be rookie of the year, or who, you know, maybe at least be in that discussion. DeAndre Swift, Frank, 33 carries for 130 himself. And the Steelers defense, uh, who who were stout early. Um, did show some kicks in the arm, and they let the Lions pretty much run all over him, Frank. And um, kind of going through the score, the, the box score here, James Washington, and then basically a whole bunch of field goals, a couple of field goals exchanges. Jamar Jefferson, 28-yard touchdown run was a big uh, a backbreaker, Frank, in the second quarter. The Lions get the first score in the third quarter by Kuhn and, and Wapuke, uh 42-yard run there. But it was basically a field goal fest other than those uh, those three touchdowns, Frank. And uh, Boswell kicks that 51-yarder to go into overtime. The Lions get the ball. So, you kind of, so you know, Frank and I, I think we, we kind of were messaging during this point. I don't remember. But I know the Lions got the ball first. And I, my heart started to drop a little bit because I'm like, you know, just one bad play, things can happen. Well, key to the Steelers, they get the ball back. They, they get a big drive. The Lions get the ball back. And Mason Rudolph kind of gets things moving along. And a nice a nice throw, nice throw and catch as Lee Corso would say to, to Deontay Johnson, who gets a big break. The Yak Boys, as, as, Randy, as Randy Moss likes to say, breaks a couple tackles, gets a big run. And all he has to do, Frank, is hold on to the ball. Yeah. He catches, he goes down, and the ball squirts out. The Detroit Lions get the ball. And it's like, oh, no, is this really going to happen? Are they really going to yeah. lose to the Lions? The Lions, a couple big first down plays. They get it down at field goal range. And uh, Ryan Santoso, uh, chance to, to win the game. They throw him in there. You're just hoping something happens. You know, you're covering your face, your face palming it. Snap, ball down. And then the kick goes, was horrible. It was like a fluttering, a wounded duck. It was, it was bad weather. It was raining and it was the yeah. open end. Yeah, the premise that if you didn't watch the game, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was bad rainy weather there. It was snow that turned into rain as the game went on. So the weather did affect the kicking game and a bunch of other things as well. So Santoza does lose. He misses He misses the field goal. So now the Steelers get new life. They get the ball back. And Mason Rudolph and, and, and company with a couple of big runs by Najee Harris. They get down to midfield. And then they get around, around what, the 39, 38-yard Frank, you know, kind of in Boswell's range. The Steelers elect to go for one more play. Um, Mason Rudolph snaps the ball and keep in mind they had no timeouts at this point, Frank, and we're, we're, we're dangerously flirting with a tie. Mm-hmm. So the snap ball, Mason Rudolph takes the snap. He throws to Pat Frymuth, who's been phenomenal all year long, even in this game with some key catches. He gets the ball, tries to run out of bounds. Not only does he 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 fall short, but on the way down, the ball the ball gets punched down on the way out. The Lions get the ball back. They only have time to run a, 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 a one play or two play. The last play was the hook and ladder. They tried to do the the, the, the flip play, and the time ran out, Frank. And uh, I can't believe I have to say this as a Steeler fan, but the, your Pittsburgh Steelers they don't win, they don't beat the Lions. And I guess maybe if you're a glass half full guy, they don't lose on the Lions. <laughs> but the game ends in a tie. 
They tie the Detroit Lions 16-16, which will probably have some some uh, big magnifications in the uh, the AFC North battle and for that wild card spot. Um, if you're the Lions, I don't know if you can call that a win either, but just bury your head, Frank. I mean, this is just was was not not there to be had. Um, you know, uh, who knows what's going to happen with Ben and COVID protocol this upcoming week as they go to LA for Sunday Night Football. But um, just your thoughts that you're watching the game. I, I I just turned the TV off in disgust. I mean, you know, <laughs> I I'm trying to remember the past ties the Steelers had that game in Cleveland where they had like 70 chances to win and didn't win. That was an embarrassing one. The one against the Falcons, I don't factors, and that was the Maddox Hail Mary to Plexico, short of the one yard line when Michael Vick was in his prime. I think it was 03, I think. Uh, but this one, Frank, has to hurt worse than all the other ones. I mean, the Lions are just, they're just, you know, they're just a shell of a football team. And uh, Mason Rudolph did, didn't play really well, but he didn't play enough to cost them the game. Obviously, holding on. Uh, the ball was an issue. Key defensive stops for the Steelers uh, on the run on the run game for the Lions was a was an issue. And uh, you, you know we get the fate we deserve, Frank, and the Steelers. That you know maybe they didn't even deserve the tie. I mean, I know a lot of Pittsburgh sports columnists and radio hosts were <laughs> caught themselves all week, kept saying the worst loss, the worst loss, and then then you have to think about it, they tied. So yeah. And and verbal media and written media, the the Pittsburgh uh, Hoy Poloi and the and the media uh, were always were calling it a loss all week, and it felt like a loss, Frank. And just uh, your your views and, and and how you were watching the game. Yeah, a few things that stood out to me were you know Rudolph's play, in my opinion, was subpar. Um, but you got to give him a little bit of a break because he didn't have a full week to prepare. Um, some of the, the the guys on the fan were giving them flack today for you know as a backup you always have to pretend and prepare as the starter because you're one you know you're one breath breath away you're one you're one injury one play away so you know when when you have a big Ben and that offense is tailored towards him um, I I can see you know with one day's notice it kind of kind of being tough for for Mason with the conditions. Um, he he seemed to throw a lot into the ground and overthrow a lot of balls. Um, he you know key third down plays where you know a quick slant to somebody he throws it behind him that would have you know sustained a drive. Um, so he he didn't look great at all, and I think it's like one of the final blows in the fans' minds. Um, you know when they don't make the the roster, but. I think most fans are pretty much done with him, and I don't know his contract status. I don't. I think they can decline an option and pretty much let him walk after this year, and and, and the experiment be over. The the waste of the second round pick, and it's kind of like Garoppolo and Brady. Like the you know they drafted him too early. Ben's not done yet, um, and it's never going to come to pass here in Pittsburgh. And now every Yinzer is saying Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pickett to the Steelers <laughs> and let him sit, you know, a year or so until Ben's done and then take over. But, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, imp- I wasn't impressed with Rudolph. I'm not going to blame him totally because it's a team effort. And like, like you said, you want to say it was a team loss, but it was a, a, a team failure. I'll put it because a tie against Detroit's a failure. So it was a team failure you know, and the turnovers in overtime were so big. Like you said, I mean, if 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 either of those fumbles doesn't happen, the Steelers probably get it in Boswell's range and and and, and kick the game-winning field goal. Deontay's was bad because he kind of 
you know, I scream at the TV all the time. You know, just go down. You've gotten enough yards, like secure the ball and go down. And they fight for those extra yards and get it punched out. And then, you know, that drive was promising because, it, you know, it's going to be first, first and 10 from the Detroit, you know, 48 or whatever. Um, so a couple more plays and they're they're in Boswell's range. The Friermuth fumble would have been like a 56 yarder in the rain to the closed end. So I don't know if that would have been a guarantee. Um, he was trying to get out of bounds. Um, then maybe after that, I think maybe like one more quick sideline route, get it a little closer, get out of bounds, maybe get up and spike it. Um, but we'll never know because Friermuth fumbled it and it almost rolled out of bounds. You're kind of like, I think Steeler fans were blowing at the screen, like, <laughs> like just if, if it, I don't know the runoff rule or policy, if it might've had a 10 second runoff or how they would have, and he kind of fumbled it backwards. Or there's that whole fumble backwards, fumble forward rule. But um, I don't know what would, if it would have just been a, a I think they might have had to have a runoff and we would have had to just kick it from there. Would have Boswell made it? We don't know. But you would like to have found out and give him a shot. Um, Firemuth fumbles and it just stays in bounds for a lion to fall on it. Um, and, and then that was it. So you have that weird taste in your mouth, that whole kissing of your sister. Like, how am I supposed to feel? You almost feel. I, you know, I, I could, I was living with it that night. You know, anytime you lose, you really are in a bad mood and you're really bummed out. I, you know, I was, I kept, I kept telling myself it's, it's not a loss. You're still at five and three and one, (laughs) you know, it, it, you know, it could hurt you. It could help you at the end of the year. If you're, if you're the Steelers and you're 10, six and one or nine, seven and one against a team that's 10 and seven, like, you know, you're going to, you win that tiebreaker. So, um, what I think it lines up to happen though, Bronson is the Steelers finishing eight, eight and one and everybody getting to say, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. <laughs> still. Said that, so, <laughs> so they're, you know, they're, they're mediocre and everybody was joking, including myself. Well, the Steelers can't go eight and eight this year. Finally, something's got to give. Well, now with the tie, they can go eight and eight. <laughs> so, it's still on a losing record. Yeah. And, you know, the new rules, 10 minute overtimes and a field goal doesn't win it. Um, it makes ties more prevalent. There's been one every year for the last three or four years. And usually because the, the shortened overtime and the fact that you can't win it right away with a field goal, um, is making it easier to have ties happen. But, um, I really dislike it. It brings up another debate that they, I, I think they need do the to college get, rule, do the college rule, make it the 50 instead of the 25, um, if it's tied after three overtimes, force teams to go for two. Um, don't adopt that college rule now, like we saw Penn State and Illinois, where after the third overtime, it's just a two-point conversion contest. It was like a carnival act. It was it was a, a joke. <laughs> that that game was such a joke, and they need to change that immediately. They thought that that would shorten games. Well, it made a nine-overtime game. It felt like a a hockey shootout, as Teddy Bluger. I was going to say. Six nothing lead late in the game. Ten Wait. seconds ago, so the Penguins are getting yeah. bleeding here. Nice little win. So, um, but no, Bronson, the, the Steelers shot themselves in the foot this game. You're at home, even with your backup. It's the worst team in the league. Um, they couldn't do anything to stop the run. And Chris Hoke was on the B team today, and um, 
he said that Steelers got out coached. He said the Lions offensive line blocking scheme confused the Steelers defense and and holes were just, you know, opening all day long and they broke some big runs and they they had some third down runs that that like third and longs that that's, you know, stunned the Steelers cuz they were in passing defenses and as Tristan Jari gets a shutout good for him. Yeah. Um I didn't want to say it until it was over. <laughs> I don't, don't want to jinx a shutout as Bronson, a goalie, would know. Um, yeah, absolutely. But no, uh, yeah, it's just, and you don't have your quarterback. You don't, this kind of stuff can happen. If the Steelers have a healthy Ben, they probably beat the Lions. Um, I, I think you probably even remove probably. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's one you have to tuck away and. Just say, hey, we didn't get a loss. So if you look at the standings now, the Steelers still sit in the fifth seed in the AFC. They they would make the playoffs if the season ended today. They're like a half game out of the 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 uh, AFC North lead. So it's no panic button time. Um, other than and maybe I guess you you let me transition to Steelers to the next opponent. Um, they'll be heading out to LA to take on the Chargers this coming Sunday on Sunday night yeah. football. And I said not to, I say not to hit the panic button five, three and one is still a, a, a decent mark, but big Ben's still in protocol. He hasn't tested negative yet. And they said sec- they, okay. he has to test negative twice. Twice. Yeah. And the second time he could test negative, the possibly play would be, believe it or not, Frank Sunday morning. Yeah. So and the nightly sports call debated this. And Chris Muller said, if he tests negative Sunday morning, do the Steelers charter a private jet for him out to LA? <laughs> I say yes. <laughs> I don't know. Do you really just slide him in there? Well, he's preparing. I'm sure he's doing whatever he can mentally all week. Of course, without practice. Wait, Tomlin said he's, and, and I don't want to maybe misquote Mike, but he said he's practicing virtually. I don't know how one does that. Is he like, is he is he like lining uh, Ben Junior and uh, and, uh, <laughs> and his daughter out there and just like well his daughter made him flashcards last week so yeah maybe, maybe they're running plays is he in the, the backyard, backyard like running plays like I think Tom would probably meant like going over game plans virtually yeah probably but um no Ben barely practices at this stage in his career we all know he takes Wednesdays off um so maybe he is like staying loose in the backyard up there in Hampton Township or wherever he's at in his million dollars. Yeah mansion but uh joey bosa too frank i think he's still in COVID protocol right okay so that might even things out a little bit but the steelers have other problems with uh Mika fitzpatrick's now in the protocol so he's he's definitely out um <laughs> mark he, madden had he had a run he had a funny thing on the show he is one of the one of the side effects of COVID is it prevents you from tackling <laughs> um pj uh, watched the big news and we did we, oh we, yeah game late he hurt a hip and he didn't play um he didn't play like the final you know of the fourth quarter in overtime so that might have made a difference but um we tj watt our secret weapon in overtime. Out, so yeah maybe maybe watt would have ha- come up with a big play in the ot and helped us win that game but he he had to leave and he had the code on and he he was done for the day but he's probably out against the chargers as well so Steelers yeah, still questionable. As I'm looking, I'm looking at the injury report, Frank. As you're talking, really banged up, and um, to to have to go out into the Charger Stadium, and they're coming off a disappointing loss, so they're going to be foaming at the mouth to um to right their ship. 
um, as they thought that they were going to catch the Chiefs and kind of crown a new AFC West lead dog. But uh, the Chiefs have caught and caught fire and won three straight and have, have vaulted to the from the cellar to the top. And that's kind of been a theme in the NFL this year. We've seen a lot of divisions flip from bottom to top. Uh, we've seen the Chiefs go from last to first. The Steelers go from last to nearly first. Um, so Atlanta and Carolina are creeping up on Tampa and the Saints. Um, it's kind of a it's a wild, wild year. But uh, I uh, honestly, Bronson, our picks we off the air we were talking about our predictions and we both had the Steelers losing in LA and I'll have to stick with that. You know, I'm going to be rooting as hard as I can for a Steeler win. Um, Rudolph is going to have a, a more time to prep now as the starter. So he, I expect him to be sharper uh, this week, especially without Bosa on his, on his, uh, you know, running after him if he doesn't play. Um, the Chargers also have like the one of the NFL's worst rushing offenses, so that's one thing that Detroit exploited. So maybe the Steelers' um, depleted defense won't have much issue stopping the run this week. It will be difficult to stop Justin Herbert. He's one of the young rising stars in this league, and he's a yeah. you know, looks like he can be a stud quarterback without Minka um, and I think Hayden also. So. He's probably going to pick apart our secondary. I'm a little nervous there. This game could get, you know, the the, the charger passing attack might just eat us alive. And then it, you don't want to get into kind of a high scoring game if we have Rudolph. Um, so hopefully Matt Canada comes up with something with some trick plays. We see some of that motion, some of those reverses and end arounds, maybe like some type of flea flicker, halfback pass. They may need to, to go into all the bag of tricks to kind of stay keep pace with the chargers this week. Maybe they find a way to get a win. Um, six and three and one would sound a lot better than five, four and one. And um, would get you on a path. The Steelers have. Um, so what are we at? Five, three and one. That's yeah. nine games in. We have seven, we have eight games left. And if you, if you think Bronson, if you can go four and four, and, and get yourself to nine, seven, and one. Oh, this that's is a tough ass, though, Frank. I know the schedule's a brute. It's it's murder is row coming up. But if you just try to go four and four, you get to nine, seven, and one. I think that gets you into the dance. Yeah, it's 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 a murderer's row, though, Frank. I mean, you never know. I mean, I mean. I don't want. I don't want to try to recreate the magic of Week One at Buffalo to say that they're, they're going to go into LA and beat the Chargers. But like, usually when Pittsburgh's not given a chance in hell of beating a team, they generally play very well, yeah. or at least up to it. So, so I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, like you said, you've kind of broken it down so eloquently there, and um, and uh, no, I mean. It starts a tough stretch, like we were saying. Where yeah, I mean, but I'm just like you know how, how Rudolph is gonna is Rudolph gonna have to play? Can Ben play? Like, there's so many question marks. Like, I want right. to try to like, you know, art- articulate you know the pregame here, but it's you know, was Bosa gonna play? He did test negative Wednesday, so if he turns another negative test, he will he will be in the lineup. Um, although it did say he was out, then he's out right now, I guess, until mm-hmm. unless he miraculously you know whatever, but. No, I mean it's 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 a big game, Frank. They they you know I don't know what their chances are winning, but they, they you know 
you would like to see them come go down to SoFi State, and they, and they have played well in, in when they were in San Diego. I remember, you know, uh, Doc Hodges and and Michael Vick uh, as starters went out there in one game. So yeah, you know, so it can be done, um, but they're gonna have to come out and set the tone early for sure. And Najee Harris is going to be every bit as important as he's been the last couple of weeks of, yeah. and which which is really baffling, Frank, because he was running so well on Sunday, but they seem to kind of go away from the run. You know, Mason Rudolph threw fifty mm. times. Yeah. So, but um, you know, maybe they learned some of the lessons from this past week and um, apply that uh, apply that this Sunday as they as they take on the 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 LA Superchargers, as Gus Johnson would call them. Um, real quickly, Frank, previewing this upcoming week, the Patriots and Falcons right now are ten nothing. It's ten nothing New England uh, at the half, I do believe, or close to it. They're in a Mercedes, the Mercedes Benz uh, Stadium to take on the uh, the Falcons. There, don't look now, but the Patriots have won, uh, I think, four straight. They're at six and four. Yeah. And- they are in a playoff position, and you let you let Belichick get into the into the playoffs, and you never know what could happen. You never know. Um, slate of game Sunday, Frank. Uh, the Colts travel to Ralph Wilson Stadium, take on the Bills. I, I think it'll be a good game there for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens will go to Soldier Field to take on the Bears. That'll probably be a, a slug a slugfest for sure. Um, the O eight and one Detroit Lions travel to First Energy Stadium to take on the Cleveland Browns. I wonder if they, uh, well, no, I guess I was going to say if they were a West Coast team, they probably would have stayed East and just not. Yeah, not. the 49ers did that. Yeah. Um, they played somewhere and then they played us, the Steelers. Mm-hmm. I don't say us, they played the Steelers. Stayed, like stayed at the Greenbrier in West Virginia or something. Uh, yeah, they, and they practiced that in Youngstown because uh, oh. Edward DeBartolo uh, Jr. had, uh, he has a bunch of land there, you know, by the, the mall there in Boardman uh-huh. and uh, the practice facilities out there. That's uh, that's his land. That's what he's bought. So, uh-huh. uh, you know, DeBartolo Jr., the former owner of the, of the, of the 49ers. So, yeah, they were practicing cool. out in Youngstown or something. Uh, on the week between before they were playing Steelers, so well, I wish I'd have known. I don't want to watch the practice out there. Yeah. Um, the Houston Texans traveled to Nissan Stadium. The one and eight Texans take on the eight and two Titans. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers they go to to uh, U.S. Bank Stadium to take on the Vikings. That these are all one of oh, that'll starts. be a good one. Yeah, that will be the, the rivalry there. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins traveled to MetLife Stadium to take on the Jets. Dolphins three and seven. Jets two and seven. Uh, Joe Flacco will figure as a start for the Jets. Uh, the Saints travel to Philadelphia to take on the Eagles. The Washington football team, fresh off off their big win against the Buccaneers, travel to I think it's still called U.S. or uh, Bank of America Field to take on the uh, the newly acquired, reacquired Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. The 49ers travel southeast to um, uh, to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, the Cincinnati Bengals go to Vegas to take on the Raiders. Frank, both of those teams five and four. So yeah, that'll be that'll be a, a key game, game in the playoff hunt. Yeah, absolutely. The Dallas Football Cowboys go to Arrowhead to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a four twenty five uh, game for Fox. I wonder if that's their game of the week, or maybe it's the Cardinals going to uh, to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. I don't know which one will be Fox's quote America's game of the week. There, I yeah, uh, maybe it's the Cardinals and Seahawks. I feel like that has a little more. But you never know. Dak versus Patrick Mahomes. I'm sure. 
Um, Kansas City getting two and a half for that game too, and Arizona getting two and a half as well. Sunday night ends with the Steel your Pittsburgh Steelers five three and one taking on the five five and four LA Chargers at SoFi Stadium. That's an eight twenty uh, start. Obviously, that's Sunday night football. And then Frank, the Monday night the Monday night football game is uh, the New York Giants going to um, uh, the Tampa Bay to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Raymond James Stadium. That's an eight fifty. That's an eight fifteen start there for ESPN. Frank Broncos and Rams have the buy this week, so the Rams probably of all the teams probably needs this buy to kind of get Odell implemented better in that offense, uh, to get uh, Von Miller up to speed and to kind of really kind of rest and and then recharge the battery and have a a better second run there for the Rams, uh, Frankie. So, <clears throat> so yeah, there it is. Um, there's your there's your week. Uh, uh, 11 games um, since Frank and I won't be here uh, on Thanksgiving. I don't know if I, I can move forward here. Maybe give you some week 12, 12 ski sneak, sneaky sneak matches up here. And it keeps the yeah, week 12 doesn't want to react here. <laughs> My browser doesn't want to like go to week 12. There we go. And so week 12, Frank, we're going to have some Thursday football. Maybe we'll do that. We'll do. So week there's three games on Thanksgiving, Frank. You ready for this? We got we yep. got the Bears and Lions in Detroit at tw- uh, a nice uh, nice snug twelve thirty start there on Fox. Four thirty CBS is going to have the Las Vegas Raiders going to Dallas to take on the Cowboys, and then NBC ends the night with the Bills traveling to the Superdome to take on the Saints. So there's your your Thursday delight, your uh, your gobblers there. <laughs> um, Steelers Bengals next week, Frank. Uh, Buccaneers going to Indianapolis to play the Colts. That's a big matchup there. Tom Brady against Carson Wentz. Um, Cam will go to Miami to play the Dolphins, Panthers, Dolphins. Titans, Patriots, uh, uh, next next Sunday's round of games, Frank. Titans and Patriots. That'll be a big one. Eagles, Giants, Falcons, Jags, Jets and Texans, Chargers, Broncos. The Rams will go to Lambeau after their bye week to take on the Packers. And the Vikings will go to San Francisco to take up the 49ers. And then you got the Browns-Ravens slugfest. That's the Sunday night. Not this Sunday, obviously, but the next Sunday. And then the Washington football team hosts the, the Seahawks on Monday Night Football with the Chiefs and Cardinals getting the Thanksgiving week by. So they're going to be enjoying a, 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 help, a hearty helping of some turkey and ham and stuffing and, and yams <laughs> or whatever. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna fit in there because, you know, I talk about food, uh, food there, Frankie. So... <laughs> Anything you're looking forward to? I, I definitely think that um, uh, L.A. Rams uh, going to Lambeau is going to be a big matchup. Yeah, that one looks good. I think it's a playoff rematch, and they play last yeah. year. And uh, yeah, the Thanksgiving Day games are are good. I mean, Bears Lions that that one will just be on in the background as everybody kind of picks, <laughs> picks at the turkey. But uh, Raiders Cowboys stands to be pretty good too. Two above five hundred teams there, and 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 with playoff aspirations. Um, hopefully we see some, maybe some throwbacks or color rush uniforms during this, these three games. Um, Bill Saints is interesting um, as uh, now that third, they've, they've added a third. Um, it's always Dallas, Detroit, but now NBC gets a night game where two, two other yeah. teams get All the networks Ste- get Steelers, Steelers played the Ravens and the Colts, I think on that night cap. Um, on Thanksgiving in recent years. Um, yeah. They played the Colts the one year and then uh, they had a Christmas day game against the Ravens. Yeah, so um, we got the Bengals that week. So if we can get out of LA, um, maybe and sneak a win 
and then um, cu- couple that with uh, some revenge in Cincy. We uh, seven three and one sounds pretty amazing. You probably have to figure if, if the Steelers can come out of those two games one and one, you'd be happy and set at six four and one. Um, so we'll yeah. see what happens. It's a it's a a tough stretch of two road games there for the Steelers. I think you'd sign up for one and one. So we'll see. But uh, now the NFL is starting to heat up. It's as we get further and further as we get near December here in the stretch run um, division battles and wild card spots up for grabs. Um, I'm, I'm glad the Steelers are in the conversation. A lot of people expected a bad year, but uh, despite this, this recent tie to Detroit, um, they're they're right in the thick of things, so they're gonna. Yeah, keep I hope us. you're right, Frank. You've always been the, the more uh, of the optimist of of the both of us. But to quote a uh, to quote a champion, Chris Jericho, I think for the Steelers, uh, the worst is yet to come. <laughs> uh, well, Bronson, that that kind of gets our football feel. Uh, but we did a good job there, I think, uh, covering three weeks worth of uh, three or four weeks worth of yeah, sports. Yeah, four weeks really because we preview next week's. We yeah, four. Four weeks of, uh, because we're going to take next week off, four weeks of kind of recaps and previews there. So you got your your NL and Sportscast football fix there for a while. And I hope Bronson has caught his breath because our next segment is going to be his, his it's going to be his bread and butter here. I'm going to probably hit the mute button and, and sit back and enjoy. Um, I grab, don't have grab much, 10 minutes of rest here. <laughs> I don't have much to add because I, I, admittedly and unfortunately haven't watched much of it this year bronson gets me excited when he talks about it and i just never remember to flip it on or i'm doing something but nascar crowned a champion um they've had their final race and uh, um bronson will go over the format and how all the statistics that went into how who was in the which four drivers were still eligible to win and what happened in the final race and then you know who won that race and in turn who won the final total champion so bronson i'll turn it over to you our our nascar guru to to break it all down and uh we didn't give it away but uh tell us who the uh 2021 nascar champion is and and how it all happened all right i'm gonna keep some music in throw back to the nascar and nbc theme from the early 2000s this is probably when frank was like still kind of watching nascar too a little bit yeah it was the Metallica theme. Right now, Lars, not right now, Lars Ulrich is is is, is uh, trying to have a suit to try to kick the song off right now. <laughs> yeah, it's so protective he of the He's the one who shut up now. But no, Frank, the uh, the NASCAR Cup Series ended its season at the uh, the beautiful Phoenix Raceway. And while uh, you were kind of asking me questions last episode, which I loved that uh, that you were kind of getting into it, you're like, uh, "Is there just four cars out there? Or is there a whole field? There is a whole field out there, but only four cars can win the championship." And there was down to the championship for Frank. Um, it was it was obviously the the dominant the dominating Kyle Larson, um, uh, his teammate Chase Elliott, both with Hendrick Motorsports representing the Chevrolet brand. And then you had Joe Gibbs racing teammates, Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. So uh, this is weird, Frank. In the championship four, there was no uh, blue oval, which I'm I'm loyal because uh, I'm a Stuart Haas racing fan. So the blue oval, the Ford Motor Company was not uh, no presence in the uh, the championship four here. But 
I could go for 10 minutes about what happened in this race. There really wasn't a whole lot of, there was basically the ebbs and flows of the racing, Frank. At each point during the race, one of the championship four was in the lead. You know, at some point, each each driver at some point were in the lead. Um, it all came down to pit to pit strategy, Frank. Uh, when you win the pole, and I think, I think Larson was, was on the pole for the race. When you get to be the pit, when you get to be on pit road, Frank, you get the pole, you get the first choice of pit road. And so Kyle Larson had, had the, the pit box selection. So, and this would prove, uh, this would prove very uh, valuable because Martin Truex Jr. actually had the lead there going towards the end. I do, yeah, I believe it was him. They had the lead there, but there was a four way battle between the championship four. Uh, a caution comes out, Frankie, they're going down to pit road and Kyle Larson's pit crew. He was in third or fourth at the time. Just just knocked it out of the park with a great pit stop. Gets Kyle Larson out in front of like 20 laps to go, Frank. And uh, he didn't have a long-run car. He had a short-run car. And he had Martin Truex Jr. banging on his on his back there. And as as the, the restart, the final restart to the end uh, went off, Chase Elliott was coming back into the third place a little bit. But Denny Hamlin had kind of moved himself to the back. He kind of figured he was not going to be a factor unless the top three crashed or whatever. But um, it was a battle at the end uh, with Kyle Larson and Martin Truex Jr. And Martin Truex Jr. had a better long-run car. So maybe it was a matter of time before he was going to catch Kyle Larson and pass him. And Kyle had some struggles early in the race as well. So um, his crew, I mean, honestly, the VIP, the VIP or the MVP, should I say, of the team was the, was the pit crew that got him out in front. And Kyle had a, he just took off on the restart and, uh, Truex gave it a very valiant effort at the end, Frank. Uh, but Kyle Larson, uh, kind of was getting picked up on the line of the, the, the racing line that Truex was racing. And Kyle tried to adapt to that and try to maybe kind of st- keep that line going to kind of yeah, delay the, the inevitable catching of Martin Truex Jr. up to him. But, uh, uh, Martin Truex Jr., the former champion, he, him and Chase Elliott are the only former champions that were in the championship for Frank, but um, Truex had a valiant effort, and, he, and I've always liked him as a driver, but uh, he would fall short. He would not be able to catch Kyle Larson, and Frank, Kyle Larson wins at Phoenix, and Kyle Larson is your 2021 NASCAR Cup Series champion, and I think if anyone had, had uh, told you like who deserved it, I think obviously Kyle with the domination he had this year. And uh, you know, obviously, if you listen, if you are a avid listener to this podcast, you guys know how, and everyone knows how I'm a big fan I am of Kyle Larson. So, I am obviously not, you know, impartial to this at all. And obviously, we know the, the controversial with uh, with Kyle last year um, when this season started. Mister Hendrick, Richard, Rick Hendrick, uh, gave them the deal to drive uh, his car, the number five. Uh, they could not find sponsors, Frank, for, for obviously the obvious reasons of not wanting to go anywhere near Kyle with the, the controversy of what he said. Um, so Rick Hendrick had his car dealership, HendrickCars.com, sponsor him. And Nations Guard, which I think is a company owned by Rick Hendrick, uh, sponsored Kyle this year. As the year went on, you know, he did get some other uh, – uh, sponsorship along the way. Valvoline was was willing to put their name on him and a couple other companies too. I do believe that Lumar might have come on for a couple races for, for Kyle. <clears throat> but no, Frank, uh, the domination is complete. I think this is the guy that definitely deserved to win the championship. He did win the championship. And then you think about the past champions, Frank. Jimmy Johnson with his run of seven championships and you know how many years. Uh, Tony Stewart with his run. Uh, Kevin Harvick had a championship there, as did uh, Kurt Busch and Matt Kenseth and and, and Bobby Labonte and, and and Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch has a couple there and so on and so forth. 
But this, Frank, 2021, and for everyone listening, this could be the biggest year, not only in motorsports, but just in Kyle Larson's career. Like, I don't think any driver has had the 2020, the year that Kyle Larson had this year in 2021, because not only was he dominating in NASCAR, he's a dirt guy. He races the World of Outlaws. He races wingless sprints. He rings. He races, you know, midgets. And not only did Kyle Larson win the championship and just completely dominated the NASCAR Cup Series, this is wild Monday through Friday, Frank. He's going to local tracks. He's going to famous, you know, World of Outlaws Sprint Cup track, Sprint Car, Sprint Car tracks, and winning races. And last year he did win a lot more dirt races than he did this year, Frank. But this year he won the most important races. And I know I'm going to name name some races off. You're not going to know what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> if you don't know racing, you're not going to help heck I'm talking about. But if you're a racing fan, you know these are big events. Kyle Larson repeated uh, 2020's Chili Bowl win with another uh, win in 2021. That started the whole year off. He wins the Chili Bowl. That's a dirt racing thing, Frank. At the Tulsa Convention Center, it's it's uh, it's it's dirt midgets. It's one of the biggest racing events of the year. He wins that. He won the King's Royal at Eldora. That's a track Tony Stewart owns, and that's a big sprint car racing event. He won the BC 39. That's a race in Indianapolis, one of the big uh, midget races of the year. He won the Knoxville Nationals, um, and you know he's he's won. Those are your premier races, and he won a bunch of other races along the way. I know I'm forgetting a, a couple of big races that he's won. And just to do it on dirt, Frank, you know, Monday through Friday, kicking ass on the dirt and then coming to a cup tracks, you know, on the weekend where this COVID protocol, Frank, drivers don't get to practice like they used to when we, you know, the early 2000s, mid 2000s in NASCAR, you had you know, a bunch of testing sessions and practice. And then before you got in the races with COVID protocols and trying to protect the drivers and the teams, guys just show up and run whatever you have. And Kyle Larson's probably a guy who can adapt the most to that because this guy could get in anything and drive. And it just it just warmed my heart, Frank, to see him, you know, this second chance he's been given by, you know, by NASCAR and by R- Mr. Hendrick and and by everyone. And to see it pay off in his first year with Rick Hendrick by winning the championship um, just really brought a smile to me. And seeing his kid, you know, he has a daughter and then his son, Owen, and just to see the sheer, you know, the joy on their faces, you know, you know, say, you know, dad, we're champions, you know, it's just it's just so great to see. And I'm trying to I'm going to try to bring the. If I can uh, find an interview here, I'm trying to grab some sound, Frank, for the the uh, callers and interview here. Um, it, it was just so awesome to see, and 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 you know now now it's kind of like he's had such a great year. You start thinking about you know how's he going to top this next year, you know? And it's a different world entirely, Frank, next year with the the next generation cars. Um, and so the cars handle entirely different. The tires are different. The the, the, the cars in general are, are totally uh, different. And that, that's what they've been doing the last uh, couple uh, week or so here, Frank, is testing. And so um, I'm going to give you the last audio here of the last couple laps of the race here. And you hear the team radio here. Let's see if we can grab it here. <coughs> it's a loads here. Okay. Yeah, this is, okay, here we go. from North Carolina. Today, he's a Cup Series champion. Oh, my God, God. Yeah. Yeah, just the sheer excitement of Kyle. And, it, and the thing about it, too, Frank, is, like, he had he, he he raced it to the end, but if it wasn't for his pick or getting him out there off pit road, he probably doesn't win the championship. And it's great because this is the team that Jimmy Johnson had before he retired. 
even if it's a different number. It's basically the 48 team. And the, 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 the crew chief, Cliff Daniels, who admitted at the end of the year that he every race this week, Frank, or this year, Frank, the, the Saturday going into Sunday, he would totally not sleep out of sheer nervousness. He would not sleep before the race because he goes, I got a driver like Kyle Larson. He's one of the best in the world. If we don't perform, it, I'm the weak link on this. And so Cliff Daniels uh, deserves a hell of a ton of credit. And when they won the championship, you know, he grabs Kyle and he goes, I don't know if you saw it, but he, he grabs Kyle and he goes, he goes, you're a champion. And Kyle Larson grabs it and he goes, no, we are champions. And he, and he gave all the credit to the crew chief, you know, the crew chief and the, in the crew. I'm going to see if they fast forwarded here to the, no, there was just a burnout there. But uh, I mean, you know, Kyle Larson said it best in the interview. I can't find it right now, but he said, he goes, I didn't even know if, uh, I didn't even know if I was even going to have a ride in NASCAR next year. And now I'm a champion, you know, he, it's hard, you know, it's tough for a guy to reflect. And, uh, and um, here we go. Here's the interview here. Uh, I didn't even think I'd be racing a cup car a year and a half ago. And uh, to win a championship is crazy. I just, I gotta say, first off, thank you so much to Rick Hendrick, HendrickCars.com, Jeff Gordon, NASCAR, every single one of my supporters in the stands, watching at home, my family. I got so many of my friends and family here. My parents, my sister, my wife and kids. Oh, and they give me crap, you know, a month and a half ago about how I can't win a cup race when he's there. Uh, so that added a lot of pressure, but there were so many points of this race where I did not think that we were going to win. And without my pit crew on that last stop, we would not be standing right here. So they are the true winners of this race. They're true champions. I'm just blessed to be a part of this group. Every single man or person, man and woman at Hendrick Motorsports, this win is for all of us and every one of you. So this is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm speechless. When you cross the finish line, and so, and and the capital off, Frank, a guy that Kyle Kyle Larson has idolized and tried to follow the career of, one of my favorite racers, Tony Stewart. Tony Stewart tweeted, he said, "Congratulations to the best race car driver I've ever seen," hmm. and that's that's huge compliment coming from Tony Stewart. But the, he and Kyle Larson, that's that's like you know, you know, a lot of people are putting him in that AJ Foyt, that Mario Andretti, that Tony Stewart category of just no matter what vehicle it is, you can just pilot it and be great at it. So. Just to kind of put a wrap on this, Frank, congratulations to Kyle Larson on uh, not only the NASCAR Cup Series, but in what he did on dirt this year. And probably, like I said, Frank, I don't think any driver has ever had the year in the history of any motorsport whatsoever, collectively, that Kyle Larson has had. So it's definitely to be said for what he has accomplished this year. And um, it's cool that he capped it off with the NASCAR Cup champion. Now to wrap this up and to toss this over to you, Frank, I'm going to give you probably one of the best transitions i could ever give you because <laughs> this week frank um there's testing of the new next gen car and every team is testing it at charlotte motor speedway this week we got the unveiling as if you've listened to past episodes brad kislowski left, left team penske and joined roush fenway racing and uh that that this week became rebranded called rfk racing roush fenway kislowski racing and so the new number, new paint due, 
new logo. It looks kind of like that old RBK Reebok logo. It looks kind of like that. I was looking at it, I think it as the old Reebok logo, RBK logo. But it's Roush Fenway Kislowski Racing. And so the, all the lights, all the, the spotlight's been on Brad Kislowski now being a team owner and driver like Tony Stewart was. And how he'll fit in with Roush Fenway Kislowski Racing. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Off-season, Frank, Daytona's only a few months away. You think the off-season's long, it's not that long. <laughs> Daytona's only coming around the bend, and then you got the Rolex 24, the Chili Bowl, and then back to Bronson being a nerd and talking more racing again. F1, Lewis Hamilton has dominated the last couple of years, Frank. Uh, Max Verstappen for Team Red Bull is giving him everything he can handle and more. These next few weeks going down to the championship in F1 is going to be phenomenal. If you guys aren't watching F1 on ESPN or ABC or wherever it's on, uh, please do that. That's the last racing left this year. And it's going to come down, to, you know, the, the world championship is going to come down to lose. I mean, I know I'm sure Frank's heard of Lewis Hamilton, so I, I know he's heard of him. Uh, but Max Verstappen is going to be a young kid to be reckoned with for years to come. And he comes from a, a, a line of F1 lineage as his uh, father raced in F1 as well. So wrapping that up, Frank, and of course, Brad Keselowski fitting in with, with Roush Fenway Keselowski racing. But as I transition over to you, uh, the Fenway Sports Group is not only dabbling in NASCAR and with the Red Sox and, and Liverpool football, but uh, they could possibly be acquiring another huge sports uh, franchise. And I'll, and I'll catch my breath on that, Frank, handle that. Ronson, that is a pretty funny transition, and it works out well. Yeah, Roush Fenway Racing, and the the we'll call them. I don't know what their official name is, the Fenway Sports Group, something like that. Um, they own the Red Sox in Major League Baseball. It's uh, I think headed headed up by John Henry. Um, LeBron James is a minor stakeholder in this group. Um, you know, as a lot of these super rich athletes are trying to get into ownership. Patrick Mahomes already owns part of the Kansas City Royals um, after he signed his big deal. So, yeah, they're dabbling in the NASCAR now, and they're trying to get their their hands into the hockey world. And it was breaking news this week, kind of out of the blue. Nobody had heard of this, and it kind of shocked fans. Um, The Penguins are nearing a sale. They are in talks with the Fenway group. The Boston-based group um, to for Ron Burkle, a uh, longtime owner of the Penguins, uh, to sell the team to this Fenway Sports Group. And Penguin fans' immediate reaction was shock and and just stunned, especially when you hear that they're out of Boston. Um, you kind of wonder, and I personally wonder, um, is that going to be in conflict with the Bruins? How will that work? Now, this group doesn't own the Bruins. But you would have to think that they're Bruin fans, and how that how will that work? Will they do everything in their power to make the Penguins the best team? What happens if they meet in the playoffs and they play the Bruins? Do they try to tell the team to throw the throw the series? Like it really doesn't sit well with me. That's it's you know Ron Burkle's not a Pittsburgher, but he had no you know he had no real other bias which you think that this family yeah, i think he had like a very small sliver of the dodgers pie but that's about it yeah so it's like it's it's a little strange now for everything you know as the dust is kind of settling and this we must say this is not official yet they're just close they're in talks for some for whatever reason burkle wants out 
he wants to cut cut and cut and run you know whatever I, he he brought us stanley cups he saved us out of bankruptcy no ill will um he might just want to ride off into the sunset with his money and and not be involved anymore but um yeah i'm I, i'm thinking they're going to write it into the contract um when they when they sell it um first off a clause not to move the team out of pittsburgh um, second, it, uh, Mary Lemieux is still going to be involved. He's going to have an even smaller part, um, of the team of, as a minority owner. Um, he's going to probably take a lesser, uh, role in the, in the organization, which he probably wants, uh, now towards his, you know, getting towards his sixties, late fifties. Um, Mario, I don't want, don't think he wants that, uh, that day-to-day grind, uh, of working in the front office. So very interesting to see if this goes through and the penguins are sold to this Boston based Fenway sports group. Um, I kind of joked and I, I think I might be the only, the, you might tell me I'm wrong, but, uh, I, I, I was joking on some message boards that, uh, this pretty much means the 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 penguins are going to have to change their colors back to baby blue because this boston <laughs> this boston affiliation of this ownership is going to say once and for all the the 1980 dispute over uh the the bruins tried to sue the penguins and not let them have black and gold um, maybe it comes full circle here and they, they say they sneak that into the, you know, hell, well, since we're from Boston and we, we, we are Bruins, uh, territory, this new Boston owner of the Penguins is going to make them switch the colors. I, 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 I say it facetiously. I don't see that happening either, but, uh, <laughs> wonder if they're, they're, they're safeguarding that in the, uh, in the uh, fine print of this of this sale, that that we will not move the team nor change the the uniform colors, but and to bring more like a to, re, to even throw more of a monkey wrench into this, Frank, uh, Fenway Sports Group has an eighty percent ownership of Nesson, which is where the Bruins had their games on. Oh, maybe we can have Jack Edwards come call our games. Oh, yeah, gosh, be... still don't even throw that in there. <laughs> I think I have a root canal listen to Jack Edwards call a game. But no, it's yeah. crazy because like because if they own eighty percent of Nesson, well, like if you're a Pittsburgh fan in Boston, will you get like a can you get like a package where you get Penguins games or like, <laughs> what's gonna happen there? Like, but no, Frank, and then, I, I don't know if you had any more to add. I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off, but I'm excited about this venture as well. Um, this this was definitely out of left field. You know, it's funny you said this because uh, I don't know if I told uh, uh, my friend Kevin Brew this, or I might even said something Madden on Saturday. You know, the team had kind of taken a little, uh, you know, lately they had been winning games that, you know, tonight obviously helped a big deal, the big whatever Montreal. But um, I even said it on the weekend. I, I promise I knew nothing about this. I, I, I don't know. I forget, I, I'm trying to think who I said something to, Frank. But I said, I said, is this the part? Is this the point in time where, where Lemieux and Burkle consider selling the franchise? Like, wow. you know. In your the, the, the value is probably not going to get any higher it is now and and, and, the, and the wheels that, that were turning in my head came from the fact that the, the sellout street just ended so you know the sellout street just ended so I'm like you know maybe things turn downturn you know things are still kind of it's it's more than very washy to make the playoffs mm-hmm. and I literally said this on, on like Saturday night or Sunday I swear I swear uh, on anything that's holy I said is this the t- point in time where Lemieux and Burkle listen to offers and try to sell the team. Sure enough, four days later, this drops that wow. Fenway Sports Group's going to buy the franchise, you know. So 
I had thought about it over the weekend because I was like, you know, Mario has made no bones about the fact that eventually he wanted to sell the franchise. And he didn't want to do this the rest of his life. Yeah. I think he always wanted to be involved with the Penguins. And, and under this current, this new proposed deal of Fenway Sports Group buying the Penguins, he's still going to be minority uh, owner. He still wants to be involved in hockey ops. So and he's still going to be that figurehead. And I don't think there's ever, you know, unless Mario wants it to be. I really don't see there being a point in time where you're not going to have Mario Lemieux and the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, involved hand in hand there. I think this is a chance for Mario to give this to someone else. Still, you know, have a little bit of a, a lesser role, as you mentioned earlier, Frank, and for a chance to, you know, to vacation in Quebec for a while or going on Florida and golf a little bit and kind of a little more of a free time. I mean, you know, the, you know, for the most part, probably the kids are out of the house and he's probably got all this time with, you know, with his wife, Natalie, and, and maybe he just wants to take vacations and, and just enjoy the rest of his life because he certainly earned it. He saved this team. You know, I'm losing count how many times he saved this team and Captain Pittsburgh. So good for the big boy. If he wants, if he wants to the, to give this up, you know, not give it up, but he wants to sell this off to to the Fenway Sports Group. And obviously, Burkle is going to sell everything. Or, or I heard he might stay on in like very like he'll have a a, sl- a very small sliver of the pie, but. Everyone's kind of reacted to this, Frank, and thinking big changes are coming. And maybe they could be coming, but I, I really think people are going to be more shocked about what isn't going to change. Uh, Mario's still going to be there. I really doubt that they, you know, people with well, the new ownership will, is there possibly Crosby could be traded or they don't. I don't think your first move when you take over the ownership of a new team is you get rid of your best player. I think they're going to want to sit around, for, you know, for as long as Sid wants to be around. Obviously, there's some speculation about whether Latanga Malka will be back after this year. And maybe that, you know, and like, and like Mark said this week on the radio show, you know, maybe they'll commit more to the rebuild. Maybe, maybe they feel, you know, maybe they step in and tell Mario or talk to Mario and, 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 and Hexy and, and, and Berkey and say maybe, maybe more of a teardown is necessary. Maybe you have to tear it all the way down to the bottom and build it back up. And, you know, there's going to be other other voices now in this room, Frank, they're going to have a say, especially John Henry, you know, the owner of the Fenway Sports Group. And obviously he's going to put people there, you know, that's going to be the best interest of the franchise. As you said, Frank, it's still pending. Uh, I think there was a vote. There was a vote today, allegedly, uh, within Fenway Sports Group. And then it has to pass the NHL. And, you know, he still, there's still some I's to be dotted and T's to be crossed off for sure. Um, but no, this is huge. This is a huge news in, in all sports and sports business. And I was in Cranberry and someone texted it to me and I couldn't believe it. Like I thought it was a joke, but no, I mean, it's, it's a big deal. And, uh, I think some things will change. And, and obviously I think a lot, a lot of almost, I think the Fenway sports group is not stupid, Frank. They know why these cups were won. They know the people in charge that helped, you know, guys like, uh, you know, David Morehouse are going to keep their jobs. Um, that Travis at Chank or, or Adventure, or the guy that's the the guy that took Travis Williams' spot as the COO or what it was, he'll still stay in place. Um, but uh, no, it's the huge news, and and like you said, Frank, that that conflict with the Bruins because they're not owned by by the Fenway Sports Group. What do you think the Patriots? The Kraft family owns the Patriots, but but I I did think about when I saw that they owed eighty percent of Ness, and I was like, wow, like. Is there going to be a way to have the Penguins on there? I mean, they're probably going to want their, you know, they're definitely going to want to market the Penguins. And as you mentioned, they own, you know, obviously the Red Sox, they own Liverpool Football Club. And does that mean now that maybe we get some Liverpool football game, soccer games at, at Heinz Field now? Could maybe at PNC Park, you know, who else, you know? 
Um, so a lot of the possibilities there are endless. And like I said, we're going to find out more as more details of the cell become, uh, you know, disclosed to the public. But this is a huge, a huge deal, Frank. And uh, I'm glad they broke it when we had a chance to record because uh, th- it, it was good for us to talk about it. And, uh, and, it, and like I said, it was kind of weird. I saw like on like the, the, the trip ran, like they were asking fans as they were coming in from the game, like not to be disrespectful of fellow Penguin fans, but a lot of these people have no no clue what the Fenway Sports Group is. You know, they're asking some, you know, 15-year-old girl, you know, and I'm not trying to say maybe she's a, a, a sports savant, but I'm willing to bet she probably has no idea, uh, you know, give mm-hmm. her five questions about the Fenway Sports Group, but has no idea what, yeah. she, what the hell's going on. But no, it's a huge deal, and uh, and I think it's smart for Fenway Sports Group to want to buy the Penguins, add that to their sports portfolio, and um, and we'll see what happens down the line. I think Fenway Sports Group, Frank, doesn't get involved with the franchise to just, you know, sit on their hands and, and, and rake in the moolah. They they commit to win. Not, they're not like the owner across the river. <laughs> they they want to win. They want to commit to winning. And so uh, if 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 Mario and, and, and Ron Burkle want to sell this franchise, this is probably the best case scenario of who they could sell the franchise to, really. Yeah, Bronson's going to be interesting to see if that uh, deal goes down. And hopefully, like I joked, there's no um, Boston kind of centric uh, – operation that they do and they kind of keep that out of it and uh nothing we don't see any any evidence of any type of changes you know for the short term burke and hextall and sullivan are going to be kept and that would lead you to believe the roster is going to pretty much go untouched and ownership's not gonna get involved unless the team really has a couple of subpar years and maybe starts to get involved in uh making some some personnel um, suggestions and getting their own GM hockey ops and coach in there and making a lot of player changes. Um, obviously, uh, like you, you, you don't want to see them trade Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Rust, and Gensel to the Bruins for uh, <laughs> for, for for a <laughs> well, player. I don't, to be see, play, I don't so. see why they would try to serve the Bruins because they have they have no skin in the game in terms of financial. Except the, the Nesson thing, you know, if the Bruins yeah. got good, the Nesson ratings could go up. I see a conflict <laughs> of interest there, but not really. So, no, that's, I think it's. As, a, as long a, as Brad Kozlowski's not playing third line center, I'm good to go. <laughs> it's, uh, it's going to be something that's it's going to take years to see a possible, you know, kind of shift in how things go. You You typically never hear from the owners or. You know, yeah. it's it's not that big of a deal. So I just, I just uh, hope Jim Balsley's not on their staff. That's all I <laughs> care about. They'll be the Kansas City Penguins or Hamilton, uh, Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's uh, that's off the ice, Bross, and on the ice uh, lately. And you mentioned it a little bit. The Penguins haven't been so hot of late. They've actually lost eight of ten. Um, they stole a couple of points in some shootouts uh, after some late late third period comeback. So. My whole thing has been tread water. That's been my theme uh, as we previewed the season. Um, tread water until you get Sid and, and Gino back. Well, Sid's back. He played one game and then got COVID. So, or he tested, um, he was in protocol. I don't know if he ever tested positive. Um, but he played one game and then he had to miss, you know, like three or four more. So, uh, we are at the pretty much the, um, Thanksgiving mark the American Thanksgiving which is 
kind of that benchmark that teams look at themselves. Um, it's about 20 games in at that point. So almost the quarter poll. And uh, they, as we did record tonight, the Penguins found a way to kind of right the ship and they get a six to nothing drubbing of the hapless Canadians right now, just a few months removed from a Stanley cup final. Um, they are just reeling right now. So the Penguins caught them at a good time. Um and get a big confidence booster for their offense and for Jari. They get a shutout. They get the top line rolling with Gensel, Crosby, and Russ. The chemistry looked like it was back. Um, Beluger had a good night, a three-point night. Um, so the Penguins looking good uh, tonight after dropping three in a row. Um, you, you know, you, it's going to be such a tight playoff race. We've talked about it. Um, back to the old format of three divisions, uh, top three in the division and two wild cards. Um, you look at the teams that are that they have to face in this metro with Carolina and uh, Philly, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Capitals, um, and then over in the Atlantic, you got you know just the Panthers, Bruins, and Lightning, the class there, and you know, a lot of an improved Detroit team, an improved Buffalo team, Toronto. Um, where are these wild card spots going to come from? You hope the Penguins can find a way to make the playoffs. They can't, they got to avoid long losing streaks. They had that nice eight game homestand um, to start the season. And they, let me see what they, they went uh, three and five on it, Bronson. So three, three, four, and one. They went three, Three no, let me, let me three three and two on it. So, but that's still you got to do better than that at home. You got to do Especially better against the teams you're playing too. Yeah, it was some some lesser competition, and now that means a lot of road games are coming. Um, but with Sid back, with I mean, the Penguins have been riddled with injuries and COVID this year. They avoided the COVID thing last year, but it's hit them hard this year. But now Bronson. Everybody quietly, everybody is healthy except Malkin. The entire roster is all back. Um, I don't yeah. think that they're not all back from COVID yet. I think we're still waiting on Pedersen. Um, but they're everybody but Malkin's healthy. Um, it's time for them to stack some wins to steal a Tomlin phrase. Um, <laughs> Toronto Saturday night, they've been mediocre. Winnipeg's going to be a tough game. Uh, back home um, against the Canucks, they got to win that one. And then after Thanksgiving at the Islanders, I believe the Islanders' new building out there on Long Island will be debuting. Um, yeah. That's that's Pittsburgh a tough one. There. That's going to be a tough one. And then Montreal at home, you got to win. So out of the next five, Broughton, you got to find a way to win three of those. Um, maybe you you find a way to win four because then if you look at it. They're at the the beginning of next month. They have the Western Canada trip, which includes a good Calgary team, a great Edmonton team with McDavid. That game's going to be our first uh, TNT game. Uh, yeah. Wednesday, Wednesday, the first uh, uh, 10 p.m. game um, against McDavid versus Crosby on TNT. Um, and then our first look at the crack in that trip. So it's the old Western Canada trip now includes Seattle. It used to be that little three games, three three games uh, Canadian spell, but they'll swing down to Seattle, and then come all the way back east and take on uh, the Capitals, which they never fare well there. So they didn't Sunday. Uh, so Bronson, it's 
looking at the schedule, there's not a lot of wins out there. They have a stretch against Anaheim, Montreal, Buffalo, and New Jersey, um, kind of right before Christmas, where they need to like. Gotta, they got to get those two points where you need to get those. Like, like you got to get the two the two points against teams you should be getting the two points against. Right. Okay. Right. No more loser points. No more. And, uh, you can't. There's loser points stack up at the end of the year, Frank, when you're trying right. to sneak in with those wild card spots. Yeah. So that that. I don't know, Bronson, until we get Gino back, that might be around Christmas. So you're still looking at 15 games until they get Malkin back. They they can't just do the – my Frank is an, a, a stay 500 until Gino's back. They got to play better than 500. <laughs> yeah. uh, Crosby being back, he's got to put the team on his back. The power play's got to get better. Um, the fourth he line – Can't much worse, Frank, the last in the league. Right. Their penalty kill's great. Their penalty kill's great. Their power play's terrible. Yeah, um, get Sid in there a little bit more now, and maybe that power play gets better. But um, Jari... the thing was the penalty kill too is like that's where right now that's where Brian Boyle is making his money right now because I mean I don't he's been, I think he's been pretty subpar since the season starts five on five. But yeah, yeah I give the guy credit. He blocks shots and he's a hell of a penalty killer. He's had some chances where he's been snake bitten, and you know he had a, a great you know first couple of games, and everybody I I was loving the signing. I still do. He's a role player. He's not gonna. Well, no, and I, and I said that too. I said I, yeah. you know he's killing no, penalties too. So he's yeah, he's he, earning his money that, that at I least that part. They'll start to go into in the fourth line. I I was about to say that the secondary scoring's got to happen. Jari's got to be good. And they got to grind out some wins here in this upcoming stretch because uh, the league is all the parity is is higher than ever. Every night's a battle. There's no easy wins anymore. You used to be able to say like, "Oh, Devils, Buffalo, um, you know, Ottawa," but they're they're losing these games. So they they lost to Buffalo and they lost to Ottawa last week. Um, games that we would never normally lose. So um, no, I, I hope the Penguins can 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 stay in the conversation get Gino back um, and, and really go on a second half tear. We saw St. Louis do it. They even fired their coach a couple of years ago when they were in last, went on, yeah. a sec- went on a second half tear and, 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 and won the cup. So we'll see if they can figure anything out at the deadline with the cap. If it's moving a Zucker, moving a Pedersen, if any, if it, you know, nothing against those two guys, they're great human beings. They're, they're, they're nice players, but I play around with the cap all the time and, they 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 gotta hope when the deadline rolls around that they're in a spot to contend, Frank. Because if they're not, they need to be sellers. And, and you might have to think about getting rid of Malkin or Latang or both, because you you can't they're, they're risk. Rentals. Yeah, they're... you can't risk them walking away on July first and not getting anything back. Right. And and Malkin's gonna have full control. He has full no trade, and Latang has a partial no trade. But so also Malkin's gonna determine his destination either way. So I mean. I'm still. Now, Frank, I, I'm in the camp of the. I don't see them guys. I, I don't. I don't think they're going anywhere. I think. You think they um, stay? I think Crosby, Malkin, and Latang all finish their careers here. So. Um, I don't know. I can see, I'm, I can I'm, I'm kind of pessimistic because you know you think of like the deals that like, the deal that Darnell Nurse got, and I mean I mean, I'm not saying he's mediocre, but he's not. He's still, if a guy like him could get that kind of money, what do you think Latang could get? You know I know, I mean? but you have to hope maybe that he'll do like the whole hometown discount. He's already made this money type thing. Yeah. We'll find out. I mean, Chris said he wants to retire a penguin. We're, I yeah. guess we're going to find out this summer. This if we, really if we do become sellers, I can see guys like um, Rust, maybe Dumoulin. Um, other than that, like there's not much appeal. Um, I think Brian Rust would fetch a lot. 
Um, yeah. Maybe a Bluger would fetch something affordable third line center um, with a good cap number. Like I'm saying, though, if we're buyers, I want to be buyers still. I think this team can still win. Uh, if if there's any way we can get Zucker and Pedersen out of here and, and that clears up $9 million, you can go out and get a superstar. You can go out and maybe pluck like a Philip Forsberg from a from a struggling Nashville team or, you know, somebody that has a seven, eight, nine million cap number um, to, to, to add to your forward group to, uh, to, to you know, really to lengthen that lineup. John Marino has got to be a lot better, too, Frank. Yeah, this is a year. He's really not come anywhere close to what he was a rookie year. And then Rutherford signed that after his rookie year, Rutherford signed a big money contract. And he's not been playing well this year. I'm not saying trade him, but this guy's this guy's got to kick it into gear. Well, Bronson, I mean, that's uh, if 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 you don't have anything else to add, that yeah, kind I was of... going to add a few things in terms of okay. a little skate around the league here. Oh Just yeah, keep, keep the people you know what's going on around the league in terms of uh, you know a little bit individual stuff going on right now. Leon Drysaitel leading uh, the league right now with 17 goals and 33 points in both uh, categories respectively. Although Frank, the old man, the old man's chugging along here. Ovi with 12 goals on the year so far, he's biting into that that Gretzky record. He wants it, um, and he's actually in a, a, a little bit of a tie here between Kyle Connor and uh, Chris Kreider of the New York Rangers and um, uh, Andrew Mangiapane of the uh, of the Calgary Flames. Um, Troy Terry, that's a guy who who I thought a couple years ago was going to uh, skyrocket, but now he's starting to find his way there with the Anaheim Ducks. Connor McDavid, 12 goals and um, and 29 points. Um, who else is on this? Who are looking good for that? That's that's basically what you're looking at in terms of points and, and goals here on the air. So it's kind of been the dry settle McDavid Ovechkin show with Troy Terry and and and, and Mangiapane and, and and Kyle Connor is in there too. You know the uh, the Youngstown Phantom alum. Uh, rookie of the year race, Frank. It's been the Moritz Sider and uh, Lucas Raymond show there for Detroit. So that you know, th- slowly but surely, the Red Wings are going to start to turn back around. These prospects are starting to kick it into gear, uh, and it won't be soon before long, Frank, that the Red Wings are going to be back in the ball game here. Um, you know, and uh, and Steve Eisenman knows what he's doing. It's going to be it's going to be a long burn, but you know, patience. You know, slow and steady wins the race. Is looking like now, you know, they're in Detroit and. And uh, it won't soon be soon before long. They're one of the top tier teams in the NHL again. Uh, Dylan Larkin, obviously, uh, you know, the the the, the Michigan born boy, the captain, leading the way there for, for them. Uh, Dawson Mercer of New Jersey, uh, killing it with eleven points and and uh, and, and five goals. Um, Trevor Zegras, and you know, he's for Anaheim. So him and Terry kind of pushing the, the the Ducks along. Maybe this is the reason why uh, um, John Gibson doesn't want to leave Anaheim now. You know, like looking to get out. Not 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 necessarily now. Looking to get out. You know, those two guys coming along. Um, Cole Sillinger in Columbus, Jonathan Dolan in, in San Jose. And speaking of uh, San Jose, uh, J- Jimmy Reimer, James Reimer is finding a little bit of a renaissance there in uh, San Jose and the pipes for them. Um, Tanner Janot in, in, in Nashville. Um, these are all the, the, the key rookies. Uh, I'm trying to see if I skip, skipped anyone. This is really kind of your your big money rooks uh, going into the year so far, really uh, cashing in. The defense, uh, uh, Adam Fox is back where he's at. You know, he's got four goals, 16 points. Roman Yossi's at the top there, Frank. I think the story right now in terms of the defensive position is the 
is the uh, resurrection of Tony D'Angelo. We obviously know the the, the deal he had there with the New York Rangers. Uh, obviously, some very ignorant and stupid things he said that got him uh, basically unwanted there at the Rangers organization. Uh, Carolina takes a big deal, takes a big uh, gamble with him, Frank, and he's making everyone in Carolina forget that loss of Dougie Hamilton, who moved on the jersey. And the Carolina Hurricanes are running a rough shot over the the, the, the Metropolitan. You know, they got they got you know Frederick Anderson in goal as well as Auntie Ranta. Um, but staying back on the blue line, Frank, you know, Quinn Hughes is this is Quinn Hughes is going to be a guy that's going to be there for years in that category. Seth Jones, obviously, now he's moving to Chicago. He's there. Kevin Shack and Kirk Mira Heiskinen from Dallas. Uh, Goss Despair is in the, in, in the group there. Frank, now he's a new home there in, in uh, Arizona. I almost want to say Phoenix, but Arizona. Dougie Hamilton tied for third with uh, four goals there in Jersey. Aaron Eckblad, uh second with five goals there. So, um, and Cam Fowler kind of uh, rounding up the top ten there as well. And then, of course, uh, rounding out, you know, my favorite position, the the pipes there, the, the tendies. You got, you know, Jack Campbell leading the NHL save percentage, 944, though he did not have a good game beginning of the week against his former team, the LA Kings. But he's bounced back and has had uh, – and Toronto's been pretty hot this year, Frank. So he's obviously been a benefit – and his play has been a huge lead to that. I mentioned James Reimer's kind of renaissance there in, in San Jose. Bob's obviously playing well, and probably because he's being pushed by uh, – the, the, the wonderkin and goal there, uh, Spencer Knight, he's pushing uh, Sergey to be a better goaltender. We've been talking all year about how great Jacob Markstrom's been. Jonathan Quick, Frank, don't look now. The old the grizzled vet sticking around there. He's got a 9-4-0 save percentage there with the Kings. Um, I don't know if you saw the other night, they had the uh, the Chrome Dome helmets. Those look pretty snazzy. You're a jersey and equipment guy. I don't know how you thought about the, the silver helmets there. I saw a still shot of him when they promoted him, but I didn't see him in action. You'll have to check that out. Yeah, that's nice. They were pretty nice. Obviously, Frederick Anderson's doing well, 938 save percentage. Also, the Canes wouldn't, have been, wouldn't be playing too well if it wasn't for him. Uh, Mackenzie Blackwood for the Devils. And then you have your boy, Frank, Dan Darth Vladar in uh, Calgary, 933 <laughs> save percentage. So, And then you have Carter Hart and Martin Jones in Philadelphia. So that Jennings battle is probably going to go down to Calgary and Philadelphia, you know, with Markstrom and, and Vladar and uh, Carter Hart and Martin Jones. Although we were early in the year, of course. Um, Sam Sonoff has two shutouts for Washington. Uh, Sorokin's in their shutouts. But uh, Markstrom already has five shutouts, Frank. We're not we're, we're like a month in the season, and Jacob Markstrom has shown his his medal so far. Calgary is uh, – I mean, I knew Markstrom's always been a good goalie, but, I mean – and I thought him going to Calgary was kind of a bad move there, but you know, shown show what I know, uh, he's uh, he's certainly proved his mettle there in uh, in Calgary, and uh, just really excited you know have hockey back, Frank, and see some of these young players and and great goaltending and and uh, the legacy of McDavid and, and Ovechkin and and, uh, and Dreisaitl now asserting himself as one of, the, one of the premier players in hockey. Yeah, fun skater on the league there, Bronson. That was good. You did that. It's uh, update everybody on who's looking like their the breakout seasons or you know who who's uh in leading in the rocket richard the heart heart trophy talk so yeah it's gonna be a fun year if the penguins can stay in it and um and if not you know still a lot of a lot of good hockey to watch i've been seeing that uh tnt and espn are going strong with their coverage um i haven't caught a lot of it um but i did i did catch the uh the crew on TNT with Tockett, um, 
the other night. Uh, it was pretty interesting. So can't wait to see the Penguins debut there. Like I said, against Edmonton on the first. Um, but yeah, hockey's hockey's right in the thick of it. We're getting into the teeth of the season now, and uh, excited to to follow it all the way on the NLN Sportscast. We'll be uh, giving you guys regular updates on hockey talk for sure. But uh, Bronson, that brings us we're we're about at the two hour mark. We did pretty well tonight. Um, it's going to be our Not final bad for covering yeah, two weeks. Yeah, our our final thought segment. I'll go first since you just uh, kind of had the the floor with uh, with hockey. Um, and I'm throwing in a second topic on you, a little curveball. Uh, my my first my first topic is going to be uh, a little baseball, just because uh, the Dalai Lama has to get his uh, his fix in tonight. But uh, the no BB question. the BBWAA, uh, it's a mouthful, but the Baseball Writers of America um, uh, announced their their major awards this week, um, and it started with Manager of the Year. Um, no surprise, 100 wins. Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays gets that nod. Uh, the Rays doing it with a bottom five payroll every single year, finding a way. And not only do they do it, but they do it in the toughest division, the AL East, with all those big payrolls in Boston, New York, and Toronto. Um, great job by Kevin Cash. And you know that whole organization, top to bottom, scouts, player development, uh, minor league coaches, draft draft guy like they know how to do it um wish our pirates could figure out how they can do it in a small market um because consistently year in and year out the rays are 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 in the in the conversation um over on the national league and i was happy to see this gabe kapler who got ran out of town in philly um lands on his feet in san fran wins 107 games which is up there in the stratosphere of some of the greatest seasons of all time to win 107. They fell short in the division round against the rival Dodgers. It came down to one game, but this is a a regular season award. And Gabe Kapler, you, uh, you, you win 107. You pretty much have uh, a handle on the manager of the year award. So Um, oddly enough, he beat out Mike Schilt of the Cardinals who got them to the playoffs and then found himself out of a job. Uh, kind of a mutual parting of ways. Mike Schilt not fired by the Cardinals, but kind of asked to resign kind of thing. And they hired their bench coach um, and his former assistant as their manager. And Mike Schilt's now maybe in talks to go somewhere else or take a year off and look for another opening next year. But uh, Kapler gets manager of the year. Rookie of the year was the next one they announced. The, 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 they, they went like one, one day at a time. So the next day they announced rookie of the year. And kind of in Matt Murray fashion, Randy Arena gets the American League rookie of the year. It's a guy that seems like he's not a rookie anymore. Um, he played a lot in 2020 or 2019. He got called up. 2020, the shortened season, he got called up and uh, and, and uh, had that amazing postseason, getting the Rays within one game of the World uh, or two wins of the World Series last year, where he hit like 10 or 11, maybe 12 homers in the playoffs alone and put the Rays on his back. Um, he, so coming into 2021, he still had rookie status. A lot of people, it was a lot like the Matt Murray situation um, where he won two cups as a rookie. But um, yeah, Randy Rosarena gets the rookie of the year over his teammate, Wander Franco, the switch hitting, uh, you know, uh, wonder kid, 20 years old, um, top prospect in the game, got called up and didn't disappoint. 
Um, I thought the Rays might split the bo- split the vote, um, but uh, Arosa Reina gets it. Uh, and on the and uh, the NL side, it stays in the Pirates division. Uh, Jonathan India, a guy that I followed for uh, uh, five years or so now. I remember him being a first round pick out of the University of Florida, uh, top ten pick by the Reds back in that part, big part of their rebuild. Second baseman, third baseman. Um, he just a doubles machine. Uh, the power was there. Uh, great OPS. Um, great discipline for a young hitter. Um, going to be uh, put together a nice career, I think, for the Reds. So he gets it in the National League. Cy Young was yesterday. Um, and Robbie Ray uh, of the Toronto Blue Jays gets it. Former Diamondback. Um, guy that's in most of his career is high strikeouts but high walks. Um, kind of effectively wild, as they say. Um, but he kind of put it all together in Toronto and gets a Cy Young there. Um and on the National League, it goes to Corbin Burns, a guy that uh, didn't have a lot of innings this year, but um, kind of raised eyebrows, Bronson. He struck out 58 batters in a row without a walk, um, which I think is the longest streak uh, maybe in the modern era uh, or in the last 50 years or so. 58 batters without walking anybody. Garrett Cole actually has the second highest, and he did it uh, last year, I think, or, or his final year in Houston, he might have did it. Um, so that he he broke a pretty recent record there um, with bat, batter struck out um, in a row without a walk. Um, went 11 and five, led the league in ERA. Um, I test Bronson Corbin Burns was probably the best pitcher in the National League. So I think they got this one right. Um, I have no no qualms with it, even though Urias won 20 games with the Dodgers. He was kind of a product of a great offense. Um, and Max Scherzer was 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 uh, the the uh, other finalist doing it with two different teams. That's interesting. I don't know if that's ever happened. Um, where if he would have won it, he might have been the first to ever uh, be traded midseason. Um, and then finally, Bronson, the big ones uh, today was the 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 major award, the MVP. And in the National League, nobody kind of wanted to step out and grab this, kind of like the AFC North. Um, Bryce Harper gets named MVP. I think it's his second MVP. Um, Phillies didn't make the playoffs, so this is kind of controversial. Usually the MVP uh, is a guy that's so valuable that he helps his team get to the playoffs. They underachieved this year in Philly, but Bryce Harper had the numbers. The OPS was there. Um, the the homers, the RBIs. He's, he's a team leader. He's, he's the franchise there in Philly after that big contract. Um, he goes in and out every day. He you, you pencil him in the third in the lineup. He's going to play defense. He's going to run the bases. Um, he's going to give you a, a solid at bat every time out. So no problem with Harper getting that over Juan Soto and a few others. Um, but the big the big fish and everybody was talking about it was American League MVP Bronson. And you know, as the year went on, a lot of people were in the Vladimir Guerrero Jr. camp saying, uh, what a season out of a 22-year-old. Um, nearly 50 homers, 115, 20 RBIs, um, OPS above a thousand, um, video game numbers for Vlad Jr. And in any other year, you have to think he's American League MVP. His teammate Marcus Simeon hit 45 homers, drove in 100 while playing Gold Glove second base. So how the Blue Jays missed the playoffs, I don't know. They have the Cy Young Award winner 
and the number two and number three uh, MVP candidates. Uh, they almost put it together for a late run and look out for the Blue Jays in the years to come because they they got a good roster. Um, but the MVP Bronson goes to and to not much of surprise Shohei Otani, um, a guy that obviously gets it. Do you know he had a quiet September, but the numbers were there. And and let's just talk about Shohei Otani's hitting stats. 46 home runs, 100 RBIs on the nose. I think the OPS dipped a little bit under 1,000 at the end, but still an OPS north of 900 is considered elite. Um, 800 is considered kind of that baseline where if you're over 800, that's kind of above average. Um, So his was north of 900 near 1,000. Boy, I wanted them to get to that 50 homer mark. I told you that earlier in an episode. That would be a nice clean number to get the 50 homers to really tie a bow on a historic season. He got the 46 because I think he only had like four in September. He only needed to have like seven in September to get there, but he didn't quite get there. Um, but Otani gets the MVP, Bronson. Yes, the hitting stats were a little bit less than Vlad Jr. and Marcus Simeon maybe, but do we all maybe forget that, oh, yeah, Shohei Itani is also a pitcher. So it's like you have a clone of him, and he does two different things. And he won, I think, I th- what did he win, nine or ten games on the mound? Uh, 150 strikeouts, a great whip. Um, towards the end of the season, he actually started the pitch really well as the bat cooled off. 10 strikeout games, double-digit strikeouts. Um, he was the ace of their staff. I mean, this is uh, he's your best hitter and your ace. You know, he wasn't just a two-way player that's kind of doing as a, as a novelty. And, okay, he's a two-way player, and he bats eighth, and he's not that great a hitter. And, yeah, he gave us, you know, 20 starts and was mediocre. No, he was their best hitter and their best pitcher. So that's saying something. This guy started the All-Star game and DH'd in the All-Star game. Like, did the home run derby, just does it all, Bronson. Um, he's also a heartthrob for all the young girls out there. I mean, this guy is just, he's hes Mr. Baseball right now. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I got to go see him in Cleveland this year, which I chronicled. Yeah. I chronicled it uh, on this show. I can tell my kids and grandkids I saw him during his historic MVP year. I hope he sustains it. I've told you before, if he does this for five, six, seven years, He's a first ballot, easy Hall of Famer, and potentially the greatest player to ever live, to ever put on a uniform up there with Babe Ruth and Hank Aaron and Willie Mays and all the greats. But uh, great to see Bronson. I, I, I knew he'd get it. I got a little bit scared as every experts were saying how great of a finish Vlad had and blah, blah, blah. But I didn't see the final vote tallies and if it was close, but everybody was saying Otani should be unanimous. Uh, a unanimous choice just because he did all that hitting and all that pitching. But uh, no, Bronson, I'll let you jump in so I can catch my breath before I get to my second topic. But those were the awards oh, that were handed yeah. out. No, you, you nailed it pretty much. And, uh, <laughs> I would have been disappointed if it wasn't Shohei Otani that won the AL MVP. And like you said, Vlad Guerrero Jr. had some great numbers, as did Marcus Simeon. But uh, no, I mean, just like Shohei Atani got me interested in baseball more than I had been in the last few years. And it was fun to watch him. I forget what game was on. 
it was a national it wasn't the Sunday night game. It was another one, but like every time he's on TV, he's must watch. Yeah. I mean, you he's stop just, what you're you know, doing and you see, cause he might, you know, he might hit one, you know, to the moon or yeah. if he's, if he's pitching, he might, you know, strike you out with a nasty splitter. I mean, it's just, I love it, the games where he did both because Joe Madden finally let him do both. He used to like yeah. not DH when he pitched or not, not bat when he pitched, but now he did both. So. And it's cool. Cause like, I, I actually, I think I told you this before we record one episode I bought, I was a giant eagle here locally, and I bought. Uh, they had the same Sports Illustrated issue, but two different covers. Yeah, Almost Shohei as a picture. Yes, I got them both. So I think I'm gonna uh, take both covers off and have it framed like them together with the pitching. You know, the Verdu- hyping the Verducci article there. Uh, but uh, no, he's just fantastic. He's very fantastic to watch as a player, and and as and as is the other players like Harper and, and Philadelphia, and, and I'm I'm. I've always, even though I've been a Yankee fan, I've always had a little soft spot in my heart for the Canadian teams, like when the Expos were around, you know, and then the, the Blue Jays. So, you know, seeing uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., who I was a big fan of his dad when he played in Montreal. So, um, no, it, it, I thought, Frank, this was a good year for baseball. Uh, and, and, I, and I always have cheered for for baseball to get back in the, you know, they're they're by far the, the number they're, you know, depends on the day of the week, but I feel like they're always they're always going to be the number two, you know, very worse the number three, uh, sport in the in the country. Um, but you know, I I wish it would go back, you know, and it, it has all the probability to go back to the way it was in the '90s when when you know, I, I you know just just the stars, you know, and, and then we're having that now, you know, with with the with like Toronto has like all the kids, like we talked about that one show, and and obviously you know. Being living in Pittsburgh, it's hard to kind of with with the way the Pirates have gone. But you know, you pr- what you bring to this show, Frank, in terms of your baseball knowledge, has made me kind of want to get back into the game and start watching. I have like if, if something's on TV, like I'll watch it. Like when, like I said, when Otani was on TV, he's like, "This is must watch. I gotta watch this." And I watched a little bit of the, you know, I watched a little bit of the. I want the last couple of years. I've watched more of the World Series than I normally watch. And that's probably I have to owe that to you. Uh, so you know so uh, yeah i mean i think all the, the voting you know i take i take your word for what it's worth in terms of the voting um harper winning it in philadelphia is big you know like you said you know, the, the phillies that make the playoffs and then he beats out you know former nat or he beats out his former team the guy on his former team Juan soto so no and robbie ray's a name i've heard for years i remember back when he was at the, i actually do remember he was at the diamondbacks mm-hmm. so and i've always kind of liked him as a pitcher so it's cool to see him kind of get his due in Toronto. And uh, like you said, I, if, if, if Toronto's the team to look for next year, I cannot, I can't wait for 2022 to, to get around and, and uh, maybe see where that Blue Jays team goes. Um, but go ahead, Frank, go with your second one. Now, just to wrap it up, I, I, I was able to find the voting. Otani did become the 11th American League player in history to win it unanimously. Okay. So, um, Congrats to 30. Shohei Otani. Apparently, they have 30 baseball writers selected across the country. I think it's one from every city, and um, he received 30 first-place votes. Um, Vlad Guerrero got 29 second-place votes. Uh, Salvador Perez got one second-place vote. So Vlad Vlad Jr. did not get unanimous second. I bet you the Royals' um, hometown Kansas City writer threw that second-place vote in for Sal Perez. Um, but uh, 
No, they kind of have a, a great broke breakdown of the voting. Marcus Simeon finished third. Aaron Judge actually finished fourth. So um, I, 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 he had kind of a quiet year, but I guess it was pretty pretty solid even for him. So he ended up finishing fourth. So, yeah, pretty fun, Bronson. And I hope I'm not stealing your topic. Um, I, I forget what you mentioned, but I, I wanted to make my quick second topic um, about the Pit Panthers, about Pit. No, no, I'm glad you did because I was like, because it was on my list, and I'm like, and I'm like, are we really not going to talk about the Pit Panthers? I mean, you know, I, I did. didn't necessarily want to say that you know they had a great win at, at, on Thursday, but I mean they won. You got to take those wins and you got to chug along, and and I'll let you elaborate. Right. So as as my vow has been, I don't want to get too high or low on Pit, but for a second. When they, you know, we have two weeks worth to cover and for a second where they sit right now, I can kind of get myself a little bit high on them. Um, The last time we spoke, they were coming off a gut punch, devastating loss at home to Miami, which kind of looked like it might derail their season. Um, But they were able to take care of business the, the next two against Duke and Carolina and get themselves to eight and two. And Bronson, that old adage of if you would have told me after 10 games that Pitt would be eight and two at the yeah. start of the season, every <laughs> fan in Pittsburgh would have signed up for it. I would have signed so up for it. I, you know, you go, you go win loss, win loss at the schedule, and you might have found a way to see nine and one with maybe Clemson. Clemson would have been like the only one that I've been like, you know what, maybe we could be nine and one after 10 and only losing to Clemson. Well, in typical pit fashion, they win that one. They always win one they shouldn't and lose one they shouldn't. And this, <laughs> this year it's Western Michigan and Clemson. So if you flip-flop those and you throw in a Miami loss where, okay, that can happen, they probably shouldn't have beat North Carolina. It kind of took a, a, the gods opening the skies and the rain and overtime to stop Sam Howell. Because um, Pitt scored, they got the ball first because Pat Narduzzi should have been, or, um, sorry, um, the coach, uh, Mac Brown, should have been checking his, he should have been checking his weather app on his phone and saw the radar because it hit me in Bridgeville five minutes before that. And I'm like, it's going to pour so bad in pits at this game soon. It was pouring like cats and dogs here where I'm at. And um, he should have chose offense first because you, it was going to, the skies were going to open up within minutes. So Pitt gets it first scores to Lucas crawl. And then it gets such bad rain that it's four and out for Sam. Howe. he couldn't see anything. They couldn't yeah. complete a pass. So Pitt gets a win <laughs> and Bronson finally, you know, it's one of those games that it's that those are the ones that Pitt would pit normally. And, and yeah. they blew it. They blew a big lead. And so that one, th- this win made the Miami loss feel better because they're kind of, they, they are where they should be. Eight and two is what they kind of should be right now. Yeah. And they're in the driver's seat in the coastal. If they beat Virginia, a depleted Virginia team this Saturday, um, they're like 14 point favorites, Bronson. I don't see that. I think this is going to be another nail biter. Um, but I think Virginia's quarterback's injured and maybe out. So that's why the spread's so crazy. But they can win another coastal and they can do it at Heinz this time. The last time they won the coastal was in Wake Forest. They can hold the t-shirts up. They can have a party and uh, hopefully not um, crap the bed against Syracuse and kind of ruin a good record, but get to nine and two and take care of business in the carrier dome and finish 10 and two, the first 10 win pit regular season in 40 years. Like it's, 
Stop me, Bronson. I'm getting too stop. high. Stop no, me. Please stop. <laughs> please stop. Stop I'm just me. Get a time. I really am. And I then, know. I know. And I, and I was happy Thursday. Not necessarily, you know, because you know, obviously Pitt needed to win that game. But, you know, the big hype that week was all the NFL scouts that were in attendance because of Sam Howell and, and Kenny Pickett. So I was happy, you know, maybe to see – you know, Kenny Pickett get more some get some love nationally, which he has been. I mean, I'm not gonna say he's on. You know, Todd McShay and Mel Kiper both have him top quarterback. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. No, I think I think when things die down, and maybe you know, maybe you'll disagree with me. I think he'll probably be a late first, second round guy. But hey, if he gets a first round, you know, pick, great. You know, good good work to him. I I would like to see him probably you know be a low first round, go to a team that maybe he's a little more established. Yeah, yeah. But um, but no, I it I feel like every pit game, like in a game like that, especially against North Carolina, it has the same formula. Pitt comes out on slot first couple drives. The other off the other team's offense can't do anything, and then there's a couple drives where Pitt either gets the bad effort of the calls or just like they miss receivers, and then they have to kick a field goal or one or two, and then that's it. Pitt doesn't score the rest of the game, and then the other team has this. Re- Comeback renaissance. I feel like every game is always like that in a close game, especially with North Carolina. It's like the same formula. Like they have a great, they have a great like coming out of the gate like onslaught, and then it dies down like towards the halftime, and then they kind of don't go back to that. They kind of lose all the mojo. But you got to get pick credit. They they pushed it to overtime. Uh, the ra- the rain was their friend. Sam Howell had really no room to do really anything, and uh, they get the win there. And then. Um, it's funny because Frank, uh, my friend Frank is, uh, his saying the last couple of weeks has been like you know games like called get right you know the games you get right. I've been listening to Adam Crowley on Madden and he was talking about like when they were like how they're sizing up like the the college football playoff and like where Cincinnati fits and where these other teams fits. And Adam Crowley is like you know maybe uh, Cincinnati's kind of got the disrespect too because they really other than Notre Dame they really played anyone, and then you know not blowing out teams they should blow out. And Adam Crowley used the term, you know, playing with their food a little bit, you know, being a predator and playing with your food for a little bit. So I've been using the playing with their food thing. That, that's a cool analogy. I like that. Was, but, um, but no, Frank, I, I'm glad you brought it up because, and, and then I don't know if you have more to add to that. I didn't mean to cut you off. You kind of add, um, you know, I was like, we're going to go through an episode and not talk about pit football. Yeah. Um, and, and if you hadn't, if you hadn't said anything, I definitely was going to bring it up at the end, but I'm glad you, you gave it, you know, you're more, you really are, and we're both Pitt fans, but you might be a little bit more ride or die than I am. But uh, I love the Pitt Panthers, and like you said, big big games coming up against Virginia and Syracuse, and uh, they got to take care of business, Frank. And I'm taking it one week at a time. I'm not looking ahead to the end. We'll see where the cards fall at the end. Um, but no, that's where that's at. But uh, mine is kind of like a little bit of a smorgasbord of some stuff. This past weekend, I mentioned it in the Steelers section. Um. Living in Elwood, uh, Mark Madden had, had a viewing party here at the SOI, the Sons of Italy in Elwood. It was during that Penguins-Senators game, which didn't end well for the Pens. But uh, Mark was cool to talk to at a good time. And uh, the way the, the crowd was kind of intimate. And I want to thank everyone at the Sons of Italy in Elwood City and everyone involved for arranging that. Um, that was a fun time. And I got a lot, lot of time to talk to the super genius about a lot of things, you know, wrestling, football. Uh, hockey, you know, sports in general. I really wanted to pick his brain because he just uh, launched. Uh, he launched. Uh, Mark Madden launched his first podcast this year, Frank. Uh, 
you know, he's the anti-podcast and, and, and local guys, and you know, getting their stuff on there. But he did get a chance to launch his podcast. He had one with Mike Mansuri about wrestling that Pat McAfee kind of started up. But uh, he did launch one this week, and, uh, and it involves him being the host of the podcast uh, that has to do with this guy talking wrestling and sports with the one, the only... Woo! Nature Boy Ric Flair. Uh, Woo Nation Uncensored launched uh, Wednesday, Frank, yesterday. Um, it's the number one podcast in, in sports, one of the top podcasts around right now. And it's just Mark Madden and Ric Flair talking wrestling, talking sports. And obviously, you know, Ric Flair is a big, you know, I'll talk about, he's known as a big sports fan. And the thing about Ric Flair, I think, that kind of makes him stand out above all else, Frank, is that. The fellow celebrities, like, they get such a kick out of meeting Ric Flair. You know, the, the rock stars and the athletes and everything. And you know, other people just, like, especially some of the, you know, like, uh, Mark Madden was talking about a story on Flair's podcast that when, um, I think when Mark Madden was working with WCW, that, uh, I don't know, he had something with the Steelers. Um, he, uh, Levon, uh, it was a Dapper Dan dinner. LeVon Kirkland was, like, literally, like, like a like a teenage girl at an insane concert, like to, to meet Ric Flair. He's like, really? He goes, you don't understand. Like, where I grew up in the South, like, you know, set weekends at grandma's. It's like, hey, come in the house dinner, and and Ric Flair's on, and I'm there, and I'm watching TV. Like, Levon Kirkland's always been known as a wrestling fan, but like, a lot of these football and basketball players and athletes, like, they're in awe of Ric Flair because Ric Flair is such a larger than life personality, and so he's kind of getting that rub now too because like. The rap community has kind of embraced Ric Flair, you know, like uh, like Snoop Dogg is dubbed Ric Flair, like the originator of swag and things like that. Like he's the original gangster and all that stuff. So uh, good job to Mark to get that podcast with the Nature Boy. It's a fun listen. And I know I'm pro- promoting another podcast, but I talked to Mark quite a bit about that on Saturday and he loved it. He, he was more than happy to uh, to talk to me about that and talked about the Penguins and, and uh and uh, he and and he and Mark's you know he has that radio shtick and I'm not trying to pull the curtain back but he's a cool guy to talk sports with off the airwaves and uh, cool cool conversation some fun stuff I can't put on the podcast Frank little little too rated R rated for for our audience but uh, if you talk to me off there maybe I'll tell some stories but no it was cool to meet Mark and um, what else did I want to get hold oh uh, AEW full gear was on this weekend Frank uh, our buddy Kenny Omega. Uh, lost the AEW World Championship to Adam Hangman Page. It was one of the best wrestling matches of the year, I thought. Kenny Omega, known globally throughout wrestling, is the best, quote, the best big bout machine uh, on the planet, one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, he's had some nagging injuries, Frank, uh, some shoulder uh, problems. He literally could not raise his arms, uh, allegedly, going up to the match, and but he fought through all that to... Uh, to give back and 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 uh, to give that moment to Adam Hangman Page and and so he's probably gonna take some time off here and let those injuries heal and come back better than ever. The kid, the kid's such an athlete and doesn't get a lot of whole mainstream uh, press because you know we we mentioned him on the show in terms of the ending and whatnot. <clears throat> but um, no, he's a phenomenal athlete, Frank. And uh, if he was in WWE, he would probably be more of a household name. But uh, Kenny Omega is such a fantastic athlete, and I've seen him wrestle live a bunch of times and. And I feel like every time I've watched him in the ring, I get my money's worth for sure. So um, Adam Hangman Page wins the title. Um, and just kind of where they're going from there. Uh, AEW chugging along. Um, 
and uh, really, really all I want to say. And uh, before we get off the air, I wanted to give a little shout out to one of the listeners of the program. Um, as I'm trying to find the audio here, and we'll promise we'll end this here in a minute here. Uh, I think, do we have it here, Frank? You're going to laugh because we, we talked about it. Um, yeah, this is it, right? No, this is no, that's not it. This is great air. I know it's great air here, but, but um, my uh, my friend uh, Matt Lowther, he listens to the podcast, and we made a reference. We made a reference, so we have to give the, the nod here. Hold on, we have to give the nod here because he he made the reference. He loved the reference last week. You brought it up, and he loved it. So here we go. What's my theme music? Hang on, Mr. Cooper, Frank. Give me the Hang on, Mr. Cooper reference. I remember that. And so Matt Lowther wanted me to know, let you all know, listen to the podcast, that you can actually enjoy the magic of Hang on, Mr. Cooper, the legendary comedian Mark Curry on HBO Max. Nice. So you can watch episodes of Hang on, Mr. Cooper on HBO Max. And uh, it was one of my favorite shows, uh, you know, as a kid. Mark Curry, the comedian. And uh, I don't think it was a spinoff of Full House, but there was an episode that – Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen and John Stamos guest starred on. Oh, interesting. I didn't know. Yeah, that. Mark uh, uh, Cooper was the was Michelle's elementary gym teacher or something like that. And Uncle Jesse makes a guest appearance on Hang on, Mr. Cooper. Probably kind of an ABC crossover thing. Yeah, it was, it was one of those things. But yeah. I remember watching that. I was like, dude, I was like, you know, because I always think about Full House producing spinoffs, but not really. Like they just did the crossovers all the time. Like Urkel mm-hmm. was on there and everything yeah. like that. But but yeah, I had to give a shout out to Matt because he like he literally we hung out, we uh, did some camping over the weekend after we recorded that, and he goes, he's like, yeah, the the the, the, the hang of Mr. Cooper reference. So <laughs> nice. So yeah, so for those of you who, Thanks, who uh, missed out for Miss Hang of Mr. Cooper, you can enjoy it if you are a subscriber to HBO Max. And no, HBO Max is not a sponsor of the NLN Sportscast, but they're more than welcome to be a sponsor if they want to be. One thing, uh, Bronson, so uh, to jump in, I. You know, to, to to reward some of our loyal, our most loyal listeners, um, down the road here, look out for an NLN uh, sportscast contest. Um, we're gonna. I, I had the idea to maybe throw in a, a a trivia question or a a secret word, and if you can uh, email Bronson or I, the first to email us the secret word can uh, maybe win a prize. So um, we might have an NLN sportscast contest coming up down down the pike. For, I love that. Yeah. But it's like we always mention like these weird nostalgic things, and like we we do mm-hmm. cover sports, and we leave you know obviously the movie stuff to Justin and Nico because they've been killing it. But but Frank and I are, are huge fans of '90s sitcoms and yep. everything, and we, and we pop we culture the, in general, yeah, and, you know, '90s but, stuff, cartoons. <laughs> but it was funny, like I just, I forgot all about you mentioning the hanging Mr. Cooper stuff until Matt and I were hanging out on the weekend. He goes, he was like, dude, he was like, hey, you know you can watch on HBO Max, right? I'm like, no. Sweet. I said, maybe we should let the fans know, you know, a lot of Mr. Mark Curry. I've always been a fan of, of hanging Mr. Cooper. And uh, and Mark Curry, I think, still does stand-up. He still does comic stuff. And then oh. tell me, in 1990s, I mean, Holly Robinson Pete was like top of the mountain. <laughs> like, you know, smoke show. Rodney Pete was like, what, a journeyman quarterback at the time? Who would eventually make, well, he lost the job to Jake DeLome. But he found his way on that Super Bowl team there. They lost to the Patriots with Jake DeLome. So, you know, Rodney Pete had a pretty long NFL career as a journeyman backup. 
you know, maybe a Colt McCoy kind of career there for him. But uh, he was a starter for Detroit for those years. But but no, Frank, that was it. I'm, that's kind of the goofiness. And I did want to end the, the show before, and I, I'm kind of pushing on the ending here. But uh, before Frank and I hit record, uh, ESPN has an article on their website about the most devastating losses in NFL franchises history. And the Steelers won. They had those the Green Bay Super Bowl loss. So Frank and I were trying to talk about some of the most disappointing losses ever. I think Frank, I would. I don't know if this would make the top five. No, I'm not going to say the tie with Detroit, although that could probably be on there. <laughs> How about um, I submit maybe not the number one one, but since we are approaching, um, since we are approaching a holiday next week, maybe we. Uh, um, Maybe this is a devastating loss. Um, uh, 1998. I said heads. Huh? <laughs> I said heads. I said tails. Yeah. Felt like I was it. at the Holiday Inn in Beaver in Copple, Beaver Falls, when I saw this coin toss happen live. And I'll never forget. This is this is the NFL Network feed of it. Here it is. Gotta be right here. Norm Johnson kicks the field goal to force overtime. The Silver Dome, where Andre the Giant was slammed by Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 3. We have overtime here. The legendary Phil Luckett here, Frank. Head was shut. What could be the problem? It was a darn coin flip. Why is why is Jerome arguing? Was there anything better than Bettis's expression? Bettis is like looking. What happened here? It's like someone stole his dog. Bettis is out there yelling at him. I said, I called Tails. We've seen a lot of different things happen on the field. <laughs> it's another. It's a. It's like a ten-minute segment. So long story short, the Lions get the ball and Jason Hansen kicks the field goal and the Steelers lose on Thanksgiving Day. I thought it was appropriate to kind of mention that since we're hitting Thanksgiving next week. The old Phil Luckett call. That's, a <laughs> That's not number one, one for me, but obviously we talked about the Steelers Super Bowl loss, the Cowboy loss of the Cowboys in the Super Bowl, the Tebow. How about the Buccaneers loss when they lost to Mike Glennon? <laughs> yeah, some of those Tomlin losses uh, to the uh, Raiders at home or the... The Jacksonville blowout the playoffs, that was pretty embarrassing. Yeah, I was saying to you all the AFC championship losses before they could get over the hurdle, the one, uh, I think, two to Denver, one to San Diego, and two to New England. Yeah. Uh, all of those stung pretty pretty well. But no. But that's it, Frank. Enough of my humor and, and comedy acting at the end. But just want to send everyone in and then uh and since like I said, we're not gonna get we're not gonna get a hold here until the end of uh, November, probably getting into December here. Mm-hmm. Um Happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening, to you and your families and friends and people you care about. And from Frank and I, wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. I'm sure I'll say it about seven times before we get off the air tonight, but there you go. Yeah, we'll hopefully be uh, probably for last week of November there for early December where we'll be back with another episode to catch you up on where the NFL sits. Two games, two two more weeks to break down. Uh, we'll update you on how the Pens are doing and what's going on in the NHL and Hopefully have some good news on Pitt. They'll they'll have finished their season, and hopefully we'll be talking about an ACC championship game 
against Wake Forest. Uh, possibly NC State and Clemson are still alive over in that division, but maybe uh, you know if if we get what we want, Pitt will be taken on Wake Forest. Maybe Pitt will be ranked in the top fifteen if we can take care of business, uh, get some excitement going. So, sports is never taking a break, Bronson. That's why with this podcast is is ever uh, you know always always relevant. There's always something going on. Uh, so it's it's just it's going to get better and better. So. Um, Keep joining us. Uh, we we love the the feedback. Try to comment on Facebook. Uh, great to hear Matt's listening. Uh, Matt Lowther. We know our buddy Matt Clark's been a listener. Um, so keep keep it up. Uh, share it with your friends. If you see it posted on Facebook, hit that share button. Uh, join us in the conversation in the comments. We'd love a debate. Bronson and I uh, don't claim to always be right about everything. So if you hear something on the podcast you want to debate or disagree with, let us know. We'd love to talk to you. Um, so podcast is going to get great. We're going to, we're kicking around some different ideas. So next season, look for some new, new, exciting things. And uh, we're, we're, we're excited to, to get back at it next time. And, um, and there's more to add. Bronson, you want to do our sign off? <laughs> we're gonna do a different. Uh, yeah, we're not gonna do the Omega one. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna blast some more Mr. Cooper theme song here. So, <laughs> so for everyone, the Next Level Nerd, uh, Justin and Nico, keep listening to their podcast because I'm still enjoying the Star Wars trip for Nico. I'm loving that he's like getting hooked on the Star Wars bug, and I love it. So keep listening to them. Listen to us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking the time and. Uh, Enjoy the Thanksgiving sports. Uh, we'll catch you on the other side of Thanksgiving. Hopefully you don't overstuff yourself. Hopefully you, don't, you do not become a casualty of Black Friday. Um, and yeah, uh, thanks to Frank for doing this with me. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Frank's wife, Katie, for having to take all of our craziness and, and put it out there to mm-hmm. you guys. Uh, so for Frank Conta, I am Bronson Almond. I bid you adieu with a Kenny Omega Remix of Hang with Mr. Cooper. Goodbye. And good night. Hockey. Throw me the baseball. Now toss me the pigskin. Now feed me the rock. Now give me the rock.